This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. That's Trav. I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. As always, we are here to talk about 80s and 90s media. And I want to remind you to do your homework. Did you do your homework, Trav? I did my homework. I did my homework. <laughs> uh, you guys can contact us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. How are you doing, Trav? I am doing great, Drew. Love doing these on my day off. Days off cannot come by soon enough lately. Got that right. (laughs) I'm loving it. Plus, this is the job I want to do. (laughs) (laughs) The job you want to do versus the job you have to do. Exactly. (laughs) How are you doing, Drew? I am doing magnificent. Uh, Baby watch is over. We had the baby. Boom. Yeah, so big shout out to my wife. She was awesome. She did an amazing job. Like, I can't imagine having to push a baby out of myself. No. She did it. This is the (laughs) second time that she's had to do it. So I'm very excited, uh, very happy to have Cameron William Morehouse home with us. And he's been a great baby. Super awesome. Congratulations. Thank you very much. We're happy to have him. And now our family feels complete. So... And just to be clear, I also don't want to imagine Drew having a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least that makes two of us. At least that makes two of us. Um, so I guess with that out of the way, that's not a really a good segue from talking about my new baby son, Cameron, to the podcast, but, but, but with still. that out of the way, <laughs> I use articles from 80skids.com today, and that is Uncredited, so thanks Uncredited, and one from Yahoo.com from Simon Brew, and you can find those links in the show notes. Notes. The show notes. Um, so I guess we can just uh, get on over to that homework review, right, Trav? Yeah, let's do it. All right, and we did Species from 1995. This was homework for me. Was it homework for you? It was homework It for was me. homework for Tur- you Turned also. out to be homework. Thought I had seen it before. Definitely had not seen this <laughs> I stand by the fact that I may have seen a scene or two of this one or maybe one of the subsequent sequels on TV, but uh, this was uh, homework for me, and it was fun homework for me, too. Um, thanks, Jacob, for coming up big once again and by suggesting this. And you are right. This movie is quintessential, is peak 90s. Definitely. We'll just get that out of the way right away here. Um, it was directed by Roger Donaldson. He also directed 1988's Cocktail. Have you seen that one? Nope. Tom Cruise. He's a really flashy uh, uh, bartender and travels the world bartending. Nice. I'm interested. <laughs> it's actually, I really like it. I mean, I love Tom Cruise. So. <laughs> we will get to Cocktail someday. Um, it's starring Natasha Henstridge as Syl, and she was also in 1996's Maximum Risk with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Nice. Um, there's a high chance that I've seen that, but, you know, every JCVD movie is basically the same. Kind of so bleeds together. Who knows if I've seen, <laughs> seen it or not. Literally bleeds <laughs> together. Literally bleeds together. Uh, ben Kingsley as Xavier Fitch, and uh, he was in 1992's Sneakers, which... I think we should get to sometime. It's kind of like a little bit of a parody of like a, not a heist film, but like a team film. Kind of like this, but oh, not nice. like alienish. So sure. I think we should get to that one sometime. Uh, Pierce Brosnan was offered the role as Xavier Fitch in uh, Species, but he had to turn it down because he was doing Goldeneye. So yeah. uh, good choice, I think. I Pierce. like Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Uh, you like him in this movie? The We're talking about the bald guy. Yes. Right? I mean, in this movie? 
okay, is you, a little okay, weird. Okay, I like Ben Kingsley also. Right. <laughs> uh, Pierce Brosnan would have been interesting in the role, I think. I'm glad that he did James Bond instead. Correct. Because, I mean, those are some cool Bond movies that he yeah. made. I mean, they're really like the Bonds of my youth, for exactly. sure. Exactly. I mean, that's what I think of. I've never seen the Sean Connery ones. Honestly, um, unless you're really into Bond, I mean, they're movies from like 60 years ago now at this point. Right. So, right. I mean, it's it's tough to like identify with them. Yeah. Uh, so there's somebody should do a podcast about them that are had watched them and make us do homework. I yeah, guess. there you I, go. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Michael Madsen's in this movie as well as Preston Press Lennox. And he was in 1983's War Games, which I could not picture him in. That's a great movie that we definitely need to get to sometime. Of course, 1992's Reservoir Dogs. And did you, I don't recall him being in these movies, but he was in 1993 and 1995's Free Willy and Free Willy 2, The Adventure Home. I have no idea. Michael Madsen and Free Willy. Yeah. I just don't. Uh, I've only seen the first one and not since I was a child, so I don't remember. I remember, so 1993, I would have been nine, maybe eight still when Free Willy came out. Excuse me. Uh. The movie was like a really, really big deal. Oh, I just yeah. remember it being like, everybody's like, let's go see Free Willy. Yeah. And then everybody's like, Michael Jackson's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, man. That scene where they, well, well, Willie is being freed. And then he's jumping over the kid. With, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that movie. We should do those someday. Maybe when we get towards the bottom of the barrel or something. We are all out of ideas. But we could do Free Willy and Free Willy too, I guess. I've seen Reservoir Dogs, but I hope someone suggests that at some point yeah it's an awesome movie yeah those you know those like those quint those like tarantino movies and stuff like that uh i know we've done some big ones we've done kubrick which you could argue is one of the best directors ever to direct anything ever period right right like he could direct like a, f- a photograph and it'd be like that's amazing, mo- that's amazing movie. <laughs> come see uh, photograph so i always i'm always like i don't want to like screw this up you know yeah I mean? yeah but, yeah so we'll get to that stuff for sure at some point um, Alfred Molina as Dr. Stephen Arden, and he started his film career in 1981's Raiders of the Lost Ark, which you have not seen, nope. so we will do that someday for sure. Um, and Forrest Whitaker as Dan Smithson, and he was in 1988's Bloodsport. And he's the empath? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. I enjoy me some Forrest Whitaker. He's oh, like God. a great 90s actor. He's probably my favorite part of this movie. He's like... Spoiler alert, he's like the only one that gives a decent performance. <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> and then we got Marge Helgenberger as Dr. Laura Baker. She was great, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was... Uh, she was... We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then don't forget about H.R. Geiger. He's the one that created Sills Design, and he worked on Alien and its sequels. And then he also worked on David Lynch's Dune, which would be a fun one to do because people hate that movie. People think it's terrible. Um, he, didn't it like? Then they spend like a lot of money and make no money or something on that. Yeah, it was a, just a it was a flop beyond flops. Sure. Yeah. So personally, I don't know if because I'm such a Lynchian type of guy that I just I think the movie's pretty good or what, but uh, I, I like it. But sure. A lot of people do not like that movie at all. Um, Geiger also worked on Batman Forever. That was the Val Kilmer one for those of you that haven't listened to that episode. So go listen to that episode if you haven't uh, listened to that one. Just do it. Just do it. Um, with an unused Batmobile design. Um, go look at that thing, please. It's uh, pretty cool. <laughs> people call it the Xenomorph Mobile. Mobile. So, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, the link is in the show notes for that. 
go check it out. <laughs> it would have uh, given Val Kilmer's Batman some serious street cred. <laughs> <laughs> serious street cred. I'm pretty sure it has like like multiple cannons on it, doesn't oh, it? <laughs> definitely. Um, you know, Geiger has also worked with many musical acts, designing uh, music video and stage pieces and stuff. So his work is out there all over the place, including a line of guitars uh, by from the brand Abanez. Abanez, I cannot say that. It's just like Carmen's last name. Yep. So that's a brand of guitar, Abanez. I looked it up, and so he's done a line of guitars, and they look crazy. So go look them up if you want to check those out. Nice. Um, Geiger did stay in Switzerland to take care of his dying mother instead of flying to Los Angeles while this movie was being made. So he was not there uh, to accompany the production. Um, he built some puppets in his own studio and fax sketches and airbrushed paintings and stuff over. So practical models were made by Steven Johnson in his XVX company. Um, he worked with Geiger on designs for Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. Um, have you seen any of the Poltergeist movies? I don't think so. Uh, the first one's pretty cool. It's a, it's a fun movie. That would be fun to do, I think, for this uh, podcast. Nice. Um, a lot of more stages of uh, Sill's transformation were actually designed. So gen- how we basically only see her from like a 12-year-old and then she's an adult woman. There were more stages that were designed, apparently, okay. not used. Um, Sill's alien form, her final transformation, had both full body animatronics and replaceable arms, heads and torsos, and there was also a bodysuit that was used for an actress. Um, 50 shots of computer-generated imagery were used, um, which included some of the earliest forms of motion capture effects. So that's interesting. They're really kind of at the cutting edge of technology. Yeah. And you can kind of see it in this movie. And I had watched a little bit of uh, kind of like a behind-the-scenes thing, and one of the people being interviewed, I can't remember his name now off the top of my head, made an interesting point that in 1995, this movie really straddled that, like, practical versus CGI yeah. effects, you know, from going from only practical use to mostly computer use. Right. So, and you can kind of see that in the way the movie, it does a little bit of both, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting, um, it's it's interesting that this movie kind of falls in that spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, 50 shots of computer generated imagery were used, including some of the earliest forms of motion capture, a two foot high electric puppet that had sensors translating its movements to uh, a digital model. So that's what they kind of use for that's That's crazy. Yeah. All 50 shots were achieved in one day that they needed for the motion capture and then three weeks uh, with practical effects is what they had to do. Hmm. So, I mean, you can already see the time saving, like the dollar signs. Like right. we did 50 shots in, in, uh, uh, in a matter of a day and it's going to take three weeks to finish the rest of this. Right. It seems obvious to move to computer generated effects. Um, Ultimately, Geiger was unhappy with some of the elements he found to bear similarity to his other films, like the Alien franchise, especially the ending. Yeah. Uh, Geiger considered it derivative of Alien 3 and Terminator 2. Like, I think I even commented in my notes, like, she kind of got T2'd at the end. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She kind of did get T2'd by the end. So Geiger sent some ideas for the ending. Like, dude, you just are, like, designing stuff, and you're giving us show notes. (laughs) You're giving us (laughs) notes on the script. But, you know, I guess he's got some pull, I would assume. Um, And ultimately, the producers agreed, though, so it worked. And that's why there was, spoiler alert, that's why her head got blown off at the end. (laughs) You should have watched it, though. So, I mean, (laughs) Yeah, shouldn't be a spoiler (laughs) alert. Shouldn't be a spoiler alert. 
Um, yeah, so that's some cool stuff to have learned about Syl and her transformation. Knowing that stuff, when you go back and watch this movie again after this podcast, because, spoiler alert again, uh, it was a pretty good movie. Yeah. <laughs> you can uh, kind of view it in a little bit of a different light. Um, do you think we should uh, move over to the breakdown now, Trav? Let's break it down. <laughs> Let's break it down. So the idea for Species originated in 1987 when screenwriter Dennis Feldman wrote the first draft titled, and he titled it The Message. So referring to like the message that they get from the aliens. Right. Kind of a little on the nose, but still works. Yeah. I guess Species is a little bit on the nose, too. Yeah. Um, the message script originally failed to attract any interest from studios, so it was reworked, and then it was released eight years later. Um, and according to the website, there was as many eight rewrites done, as many as eight rewrites done on the script before they got to the final script. So how bad do you think that original script was? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Fired. <laughs> Yikes, don't want to be the one working on that original script. <laughs> no. Like, did, you, did a monkey type this out or something? <laughs> yeah. How is this guy in show business? Like, what the hell? So finally we get to that uh, opening sequence now. So sorry about all that. <laughs> uh, so the opening sequence now. Um, The shot of the radio telescope makes me think of Chip Douglas, right? Are we going to go surfing on the information superhighway? That's what I thought <laughs> right away. I'm like, it, it just it really reminded me of... Uh, of uh, cable guys, so we're gonna go. Thought we might go take a trip on the information superhighway. Oh man, there should have been a commercial <laughs> around that time for that. When was Cable Guy again? Do we uh, remember off the top of '97? Or was that earlier? Man, it might have been '95 also. So literally, Chip could have been on that satellite. <laughs> Chip could have been on that satellite. <laughs> it was some cool visual storytelling, though. Right at the beginning, it really made no, you feel yeah. like it was like alien stuff. It's everything Definitely. is coming from space. Yeah, you it know? puts you in the right place mentally. It, it really does, and it was cool too. The the very opening, like the the species when it, you know that title card, that was cool. I loved the green the green cloud makes you think otherworldly, right? You know, it's stuff like that. So it was. Some cool visual storytelling right at the beginning there. Um, we get that shot of the Arecibo radio telescope. So this thing in real life was damaged in 2017 and has been almost completely destroyed. And oh, they're okay. not going to rebuild it. Nice. So unfortunately for them, it was at one point until 2016 the largest, uh, let's see, the largest single, uh, the single largest apertured telescope. Say so that three times. Yeah, right? I guess. It was 305 meters wide. And then guess what? It was surpassed by the 500-meter aperture severe spherical telescope. Let me try that again. 500-meter aperture spherical telescope, or the fast telescope in China. <laughs> Let's go with fast telescope. <laughs> Let's go with fast. And then it got destroyed by a, like a major scientific thing, one of two of the biggest of in the world, and it's going to get destroyed by a... Uh, hurricane and nobody's gonna rebuild this thing. Yeah, like what the it's hell? they're building. A, so instead, they're building a uh, like an educational center for tourism. I'm assuming. Mm. All right. The, it, okay. <laughs> Don't fix it, but uh, that's too bad. I think. Yeah. Too bad for science. Uh, but we enter the next scene now in Utah at a military base, and young Sill is uh, in a dome of solitude. That's Michelle Williams. Do you know who that is? No. Nope. So she is, well, he is the late Heath Ledger's baby mama. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Wow. And they had split up before he had ultimately accidentally Sh killed himself. Sure. So that's kind of interesting that that is Michelle Williams. Of all. And it's funny because I watched this with my wife the first time. She goes, I'm pretty sure that's Michelle Williams. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> she knew. I did not know. 
Thank you, Kristen. Um, how would you like to have to poop in front of a bunch of scientists? I wouldn't enjoy it. No, that was the first thing I noticed. You know I was like, what? <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. There's that toilet just in the middle of that glass dome. I'm like, oh, she's got to poop in front of all yeah. of them. That's not cool. You at least look away while I'm wiping. Or <laughs> but now it's time to bring in that cyanide. See you later. This yep. escalated quickly. Yep. See you later. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. By Ben Kingsley yeah. as Xavier. Give her the gas. Give her the gas. <laughs> Single tear from Xavier. Tear. <laughs> And then he eats it. <laughs> but no glass in that scientific lab can contain Sill. Nope. <laughs> Punch it out. I pooped in here for the last time. <laughs> uh, but all that cyanide gas gets out and kills all the other scientists. So that's her first uh, murder. She just killed a room full of people. Yep. She, she doesn't care. They went down super easy. Like, <laughs> that gas did nothing to her. And they, uh, like one whiff of that gas to them and they're... They're dead. Incapable. <laughs> Incapable of doing anything but writhing on the ground and dying. <laughs> uh, but at this point, the chase is on. We got dogs. We got helicopters Helicopters and a battalion of st- soldiers. I'm saying words very weird today, and I need to try that again. <laughs> we got dogs. We got helicopters. And we got a battalion of soldiers. There, I sound like I speak English. Boom. <laughs> uh, Sills running on the train tracks, and then bam, she's in the train. Boom. No problem. No problem. She was having weird visions of aliens, aliens mating, which right. kind of is that's like the first, uh, the first time where it's like okay, she kind of has these blackout moments. Right? Yeah, it's still really weird that she's all of a sudden in the train. Like, let us see, like her. I guess you're trying to save the reveal, maybe of the final alien, because I'm assuming. In the beginning, that's when she's like transforming into her other self, right? Right, So right. we don't get to see that. And then, bam, she's on the train and then she's coming to in her human self. I wish they would have shown us that because it's really weird. All of a sudden, she's getting chased down by this train and then she's waking up in the train. It's just weird, to, I think, to make uh, the watcher assume to like understand that right away. Right. So I need to make sure. So she, you're saying you don't remember her walking onto the train So in when, general? No. Or, so I mean in the crazy nighttime dream thing. So this is the part where she's running away from uh, Xavier and the government people, and she's running on the tracks. And then all of a sudden that she's, train is like chasing her. No, nope, that's a little bit later. Oh, okay. This is where she kills the hobo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. all of a sudden she's just on the train. Right, right. You know, and so okay. she's, she's blacked out because of that vision. And it's like the movie expects you to understand too much of what's going on yeah. in the first five minutes to think. Because I just thought like well, the first time I watched it, I was like, what? Yeah. Why is she on the train all of a sudden? Why wouldn't you show me that? Exactly. And now that I've watched the movie four times, I understand that she's blacking out. Her alien self is taking over and she's surviving by getting on the train. Right, right. But there's no way in hell that you would understand that. At all. At all. It's yeah. just a weird like... Did they not like the scene? That so they just cut it out. And right, he's on right. the train. Like it was just weird to me. I didn't like. It. I get it now, but for most people, this is a one-time watch. Right, right, exactly. You wouldn't get it unless you're able to. Like, would you have watched this movie as a one-time watch and then gone back after and thought about like so that beginning of the movie when she was all of a sudden on the train, 
Now that makes sense to me. I don't think you'd reflect no, on this movie like that. I don't think so. Too much to ask. Way too much to too ask. Too much to ask from it's the just audience. Just homework, people. Just homework. <laughs> too much to ask. But uh, she is in that train car. Uh, I didn't think I was going to talk about that that much, but I did. So <laughs> well, it's totally cool. <laughs> I was just making sure <laughs> yes, that yes. I didn't see something different because I was thinking of the next the actual next, train yes. that we watch her again. I'm like, <laughs> okay, your Blu-ray is missing like 15 good <laughs> minutes, if that's the case. <laughs> She does kill that dude and uh, steals the clothes and like she like wrecks him like she picks him up and like breaks him and, and then throws yeah. him and yeah with zero effort I thought I was like holy shit the first time I saw that I was not expecting that right and that's like her second real demonstration of strength because obviously she punched through that glass which you know right should have I, I guess you'd think that they would have tested that or something you but would whatever think but um, um. And then later on, they, well, we're going to get that. I'll talk to that here in about a second. So she steals that dude's clothing, and then uh, Xavier and the government are still on the chase, and um, a couple of trains come came through here around the time she escaped. You think she could have gotten this far? Is she that fast? Oh, she's that fast. <laughs> she's that fast. <laughs> they don't do a very good job of demonstrating how fast she actually is when she's running away from everybody in that opening scene. It, she, it just seems like she's just a running kid. Yeah. Like, there should have been something more to demonstrate the fact. Yeah, she was getting, staying ahead of all those people, you know, like, fairly easily. So. Right. But there should have been something to be like, oh, wow, she's really fast. Yeah. But, like, can tell she's pumped with some sort of super soldier serum or something. something. Like, fast forward the track, something. I don't something, know. something. So... She has still has now arrived at the train depot, uh, illegally riding in a train car, openly not trying to hide at all. Yeah, just right through the thing. You think that somebody, like, hey, what's that? What's that girl doing in the train? Yeah, she can't, <laughs> somebody arrest her <laughs> after just stealing or trying to steal out of the convenience store. Well, she hasn't done that yet. Oh, okay, she's okay. gonna do that right now though, because she goes into the convenience store. She's looking at all these people doing everything, so she's learning in this instance, like right, what commerce right. is, how to use money, and all that stuff. But she she still decides to steal because she has no money. So yeah. Obviously, she's going to steal. Uh, but that uh, lady stops her like, uh, you going to buy those? And she's like, oh, I guess not. I'm out of here. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I'm out of here. I, I did write down how sweet is it that there's arcade cabinets in this convenience store. Very <laughs> sweet. I didn't like that they were off, though. Why were they off? Why were they off? And I paused it even to try to figure out what the hell games they were, and I couldn't tell. Couldn't tell. So yeah. maybe they're just like prop games Probably. that they just jammed in a room. I still was just thinking, man. Life used to be awesome. <laughs> that, uh, I just assumed that that little train depot was like a real thing, but it's probably all a set. Probably. It's probably all a set. Yeah. It's probably all a set. I'm a little disappointed in that now. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably all a set. Um, she doesn't, uh, still doesn't really learn anything though. She goes and steals that random bag in front of anybody, front everybody, of, and yeah. nobody stops anybody. And gets right on. Gets right on the train and just sits down. I did not know that that's how trains worked, that you could just get in and sit down. Because the dude was just like, come on in, little girl, and sit down, you know? Right, Whatever. Right. Um, in this, this, she opens up that stolen bag, finally, and in it has a TV, an over-the-air analog signal TV, which those things never really worked. No. Did you ever have any experience with those little tiny TVs? I never had one. It just never works. Um, so she makes it up to that observation car now, and we get a quick demonstration by she, I mean, Sill, makes it up to the observation car and we get a quick strength demonstration by busting open that register drawer she steals the money which should have been a fairly good amount of money it seems like it was at least at this point yeah 
She quickly moves over to the dining car, stealing food, like lots of food. Lots of food. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this just train, this train has the least observant people ever on it, right? Like 100%. <laughs> they're worthless. new employees. Yeah. Or they all see it and they're just like, fuck it. I don't, I don't care. I, I don't, don't get paid care. enough for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Syl does make it back to her cabin and knock, knock, knock. Tickets, please. And then Syl just buys a ticket. Yeah. Once again, I like, didn't it's know. It's just that easy. She's that like, is. what are you, like 12? I'll say you're 11 so that it's cheaper. I'm just thinking, how about where's her parents? Right. Are you going to Los Angeles? You got somebody to meet you there? And she's just like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nods, yes. Good enough for me. <laughs> enough for me. <laughs> Give me your 350, kid. Like, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't very much money. No. Huh? Just such an interesting thing. I did not know that that's how trains work. <laughs> no, I did not. But at at this time, it's time. At this time, it's time. At this time, <laughs> it's time. For Syl to start chowing down. I'm going to bite into a banana like that someday. Just yeah. right into the side without peeling it. It can't be good. It can't be good. And she goes <laughs> so ham on all that she food. She does. She does. Uh, the government scientists finally uh, find that dead dude in that train car. DNA confirmed she killed the hobo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. He didn't say hobo, but and he said like DNA in his wounds, which was weird because she didn't like claw him or anything. Like, no. She just like picked up him up by his clothes, but I don't know. But whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I want a team to track her, hunt her down, hunt her down. So Ben Kingsley's performance in this movie. Like, I like Ben Kim- Kingsley. I do, too. Like, do you think day one of shooting, he's like, this movie's going to fucking blow, and I'm just checking out? He might. Cause, because uh, especially by the end, I'm yes. like, this is rough. Like, like, is he trying to sound bad? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. At some points, it sounded like he was trying to do a southern accent, and it just wasn't working. And he doesn't keep it up the whole he time. He doesn't keep it up the whole time. Like, Man, must have just been a payday for yeah, Ben. He's like Malkovich and uh, Rounders with the Russian accent. <laughs> like, you are trying way too hard and it is not pay, working. Pay that man. Pay, pay that, that man, man his nanny. <laughs> <laughs> it is really bad. That is really, really bad. I just, Ben, like, when I was like, oh, Ben Kingsley's going to be in this, it should be pretty, he's going to put up a pretty oh, good performance. Definitely. When I saw him initially in the first shot, I'm like, oh, no. He's in this movie. And then by the end, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> is yeah. this the Ben Kingsley I know? Or? No. I mean, maybe he had like a drug debt or something to pay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I just needed, I got to do this movie, man. I need more blow. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he had the single tear. Yeah. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm not saying that you're a drug user at all. Because <laughs> I know you're a listener, so I'm sorry, Ben. Yeah. And if you are listening, can you tell other people to listen to the podcast? Thank you, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Uh, Now it's time to assemble the team. First, we get to meet uh, Preston Lennox. He's got a kitty, so good for you, man. I like that you have a cat. Nice. Um, He thinks he's not going to be gone long, which he's kind of gone a long time. Kind of gone a long time. (laughs) Second, we get to meet Daniel Smithson in therapy. Uh, I'm the weird one because I have feelings, because I feel things. (laughs) (laughs) There's someone at the door, and I love how, like, so either his psychiatrist that he is talking to at this point in that room is like so used to him like being a what does he call himself an, an empath an, an empath and being able to predict things that she just has no reaction to yeah. it but he's like right about all these things he's just like yeah i'll tell him to come back yeah it's, it's okay 
<laughs> no, yeah, like she is what? Definitely oh, oh. immune to the situation. <laughs> it's what it really seems like. But it's like, and it's for me, so I gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> uh, it's the U.S. government, sir. We need you to come with us. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know that. <laughs> Which is funny though, because he still plays that role really good, and oh, I yeah. still really like Forrest Whitaker in his role. Oh, like, yeah. It's a little bit of a goofy role, but he still does it a good job. He, he still does, does, a good job. does a good job, and he adds a lot of comedic elements to it by saying the obvious in certain situations. <laughs> He's the obvious teller. Yeah, that's for sure. He's like the when obvious they guy. see. Yeah, we'll wait till that comes. <laughs> up. Uh, we get to meet the two other teammates in the lab. They do not get their own introduction. No, they suck. They suck. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> no introduction for you. No introduction for you. Uh, now we get to go to the little bit of a the ghost train sequence yep. right after this where Sil is sleeping in her cabin and this train is chasing her down. Um, so H.R. Geiger, he's the one that designed that train. Um, he was so committed to this movie that he put his own money into designing that train. Um it was his idea originally to get that in the movie. So again, he's like, hey, you guys should do this stuff in your movie that yeah. I have nothing to do with. But right. Whatever. Um, his original idea was going to be to use CG, but it was going to cost $600,000 just to film that sequence. Holy crap. Yeah, it's a lot of money for just, you know, for just that in this budget of a movie, which it didn't have a gigantic budget by any means. Um, MGM obviously said no, uh, but there was a practical way to complete the scene. So Geiger constructed a 20 foot model of the train. Nice. <laughs> it cost them about 100 k to do it. So, I mean, they saved 5 k well, or 500 k It was his own money. But it was his own money. Yeah, MGM didn't have to pay a thing for it. So, so they saved 600 They did. They did. <laughs> um, it was Geiger thought that that was the only way to convince the studio to do the scene. So, obviously, he thought the scene was pivotal to the movie. I guess. And after watching the movie a few times... Okay, but I'll get to that part. Uh, when the scene was completed, the train that Geiger constructed was in the movie for under 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. That's an expensive 10 seconds. Geiger did apparently retain the rights to like the 3D merchandising of it. So okay, okay. he can make money off of it. But uh, it's not like I'm seeing the ghost train from Species on the wall at the local comic book shop. Nope, definitely not. Is Funko Pop doing the ghost train for Dude, Species? Dude, that's what I was just going to say. Is that the next big deluxe Funko Pop with the big train and species running in the doctor suit in front of it? Suggest it. Yeah. I bet you should get that made. That'd be great. Custom. Oh, great. We'd have to buy it for Jacob. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty trippy sequence. Like it was kind of like weird that it was oh, yeah. in here. There is other really trippy and off-putting stuff in this movie, but this especially. The first time I watched it, I was like, Okay, I don't get this. I don't understand why it's happening. My first impressions were that it reminded me of this thing called Charlie the Choo Choo, which is a children's book within the Stephen King's world of the Dark Tower. Okay. And it kind of plays a, plays a pivotal role in it also. I won't talk about it too much beyond that, but that's what it made me think of was Charlie the Choo Choo. So for all you Stephen King fans out there. Um, so... That 10-second scene, this is what I kind of got from it after having watched the movie four times. So once again, this is something that you would not necessarily pick up on a first watch through, I don't think. Right. You would think, that's kind of weird. I don't quite understand what's happening, but it looked cool. It was creepy. Yeah. So I think that it represents like Sill. So human form Sill running away from alien form Sill. Yeah. And eventually being overtaken by the alien form. Right. Because when she does wake up 
she just starts hammering food. Like yeah. it's time to transform into her final form. Basically. Um, is her final form, does she have a power over 9,000? Definitely. <laughs> over 9,000? Over 9,000. Your scouter must be broken. <laughs> that was what I thought of immediately when she transformed. Because it reminded me kind of of like Cell and like Frieza. Oh, and just the, with that body horror weirdness. Kind of like a bug cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> when they call it a cocoon later, I was just like, bug cocoon. Bug cocoon. Bug cocoon. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Not to get too off track, but just listen to Silence of the Lambs with Lauren the other day. That's a great episode. I think it was episode. a lot of fun because it was our first explicit. Yeah. Like, we couldn't find it on YouTube, and then I realized, oh, yeah. That's why, because we dropped some F-bombs and stuff on there. Interesting. Those explicit ones aren't on YouTube, are yeah, they? Yeah, So I didn't even think of that. And then we obviously just listened to it anyway. But I would die laughing when we were doing bug cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you saying uh, James Grum in there instead of gum. Yeah, and yeah. then shout out Grum shout from out. the Triple, Ch- Triple Falls podcast. Shout out Grum. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Uh, overall i'm like a really big fan of her uh transition i thought it looked really cool Definitely. and it was like super scary like horror movie stuff body horrors what i already said uh it made me think of like the thing by john carpenter just the way it kind of looked have you seen the thing Mm-mm. see it it's amazing or videodrome by david cronenberg it's just david cronenberg's really known for that body horror stuff and that's mm-hmm. what this stuff really kind of reminded me of and then my wife said, it looks like something from the uh, Upside Down, right? Oh, definitely. Right? It looked like something definitely from the some Upside stranger Down. Things from Stranger on. Things. I'm like, yeah, it really does look like something from that. So um, it makes sense that the, those visual cues from a movie from the 90s would show up. I know Stranger Things is an 80s thing, 80s, but, but yeah. still, those types of visual cues would mm-hmm. show up in that stuff as, you know, an homage or an inspiration in Stranger Things. Um, Videodrome would be a really interesting one to do on our podcast just because it is super duper out there. It's like, yeah, (laughs) super duper out there. Uh, but now the group is back in Utah and the gang's all there. Uh, Dan is an empath. Like we already, uh, mentioned press is a hitman and it's not a fan of Dan does not like Dan. Um, and if press is there, then the shit has hit the fan. So we know things are getting serious. Yeah. When Dan sees that bug cocoon, he says something <laughs> ridiculous, like something bad happened here. Those are, those always make me die laughing when he comes in with the obvious, like, okay, I know you're an empath, but we, we didn't need that one there. We, we know, <laughs> we know. Oh man, we meet Stephen Arden and he's that's Alfred Molina. He's the cultural professor. He's like the weirdest one of the whole group. Like he's just some professor that like is good at culture. Yeah, he's Doc Ock. Yeah, he is Doc Ock. With yeah, he is Doc Ock. Um I enjoy these oh and Laura Baker. Can't forget about Laura Baker. Yep. She's kind of forgettable in the role, which is unfortunate. She kind of feels like the token woman in the group a lot of the times. <laughs> yeah. Which is an unfortunate 90s thing to have happen in a lot of movies. Uh, but she did fine in the movie. I thought she was great. She also said a lot of very obvious things throughout the whole film. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy team meetup scenes, especially ones like this where it's like kind of standoffish, you know, and everybody's like, we're not going to get along. We're too independent, yeah. you know, but then eventually they all work together really nice. Stinks nicely. in here. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Uh, but back on the train now and we get the ticket lady and, uh, the ticket lady is done for, uh, some great horror, legit scary, very creepy. And Syl is finally born on that train. 
Um, did she kill the ticket taker just to kill her or did she kill her to eat her? I think it's just to kill her. I think it's just to kill her. Because she was threatened. Yeah. She was threatened. She kills when she's threatened. <laughs> uh, so about now, now that Syl has transformed into her adult form and it's Natasha Henstridge. I hope I'm saying that right. I feel like that's the only way to say it. I think so. Henstridge. Um, the producer of the movie, Frank uh, Manacusco, um, said that the former model and first time actor um, was only cast in Species because they were looking to save money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to inst- instead put funds towards the special effects. Right. Well, they needed to. They needed to for a big time. So, um, yeah, he said, uh, to quote him, he said, we're trying to put as much money as we can below the line and allow the effects and the creature to be the highlight of the film. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess. they. She was cheap. Yeah, she was cheap. <laughs> she was a very unproven actress, and uh, she did some other stuff later on in life, but... Uh, didn't exactly become a giant star. No. <laughs> uh, speaking of the budget, uh, Species uh, was a box office success, making $113 million on a $35 million budget. Um, industry insiders uh, believe that was uh, in large part due to Natasha Hentridge's, Hentridge's topless scenes. Titties. Yeah, titties. <sighs> Uh, the scenes brought a lot of publicity to the film, uh, including in tabloids, newspapers, and gentlemen magazines of the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're back with the alien extermination team, and we formally meet Xavier Fitch at this point, and he's in charge and fills us in on what the hell is actually going on. In 1974, scientists with, the, with SETI sent out a message with instructions on how on who we are as humans and how to find us. In 1993, Arecibo got a message back. Two messages, to be exact. (laughs) (laughs) One for a clean and infinite energy source, which would have been all over the news because we watch TV a whole bunch in this this movie. Obviously. Obviously, the government is holding on to that information. (laughs) (laughs) So that convinced them that the aliens were uh, friendly. Okay, I get it. You get a free uh, way to make an un... uh, uh, Completely unwastable. What's the word I'm looking for? Completely not uh, re- uh, not replenishable, but uh, uh, God, I can't uh, think of the word either. Completely. So fossil fuels are a blank fuel source. <laughs> yes, yeah. they are a uh, finite, and so this would be an infinite fuel source. I don't think that's exactly the word that I was looking for, but no, it works. But it does work. Replenishable? Not replenishable. No. It's pretty close. <laughs> Reusable? No. no. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. <laughs> Anyways. We'll see how many <laughs> listeners we drive nuts by not coming up with this word here. Uh, and the other information was a new strand of DNA with rather friendly instructions on how to combine it with our DNA. That's an interesting uh, way to put it, as if he's already admitting that uh, those friendly instructions were not so... Fr- well, we're friendly, but we're a ruse right. to fool them. They injected the new DNA hybrid into 100 human ova, and three survived, two were suspended in liquid nitrogen, and one was allowed to grow, and that was Syl. That was her code name. Uh, did they ever show like what the SIL stands for? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so either. It must not stand for anything then, because you think that it, they would have shown it, yeah. like what it meant. What do you think it would stand for? Seriously intelligent lady. I like it. 
Uh, they decided to make it uh, female so it'd be more docile and controllable. Apparently, you don't <laughs> know females or whatever the hell he said. Uh, after three months, she had aged the equivalent of 12 years and started to demonstrate some weird shit like tentacles trying to bust out her back. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that classifies as weird shit. So the natu- naturally, the scientists uh, decided to freak the fuck out and were like, kill it, kill yeah. it, kill it, kill, kill it. it, kill it. Which I get it. You don't want to. I get it. I think you would probably have to kill it. Be like, oh, yeah. what the fuck was that? Yeah. Did something just try to bust out of her? Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Um, kill it? Yeah, kill it. Backburster. Back <laughs> uh, they watch the video of Syl escaping and Press says it best. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I know Michael Madsen can be really understated in his performances, but he says it a couple times in the movie, just, wow. Wow. (laughs) Thanks, Michael. He does does a pretty good job in the movie overall, I think. Yeah. Uh, Xavier reveals that this is a search and destroy mission. Uh, Syl finally makes it to L.A. at this point now. Um, She's still wearing that conductor uniform, the ticket lady's uniform, which is weird that nobody has stopped her and been like, lady, can you help me out here? We need to find this other chick that is apparently on our train. You need to help us deal with this. Right. Where are you going? Train's over here. (laughs) Are you done with your job or something? This train's... Do you live here? (laughs) The hell are you going you know, I've talked about on this podcast how much I love a New York City movie, yeah. but I love an L.A. movie, too. Oh, definitely. <laughs> when I was watching this, I'm like, I really love the fact that this whole thing takes place in L.A. Yeah. It just made me think of, like, Terminator 2, Pulp Fiction, you know, Speed. Yep. Like, it's just those L.A. movies, for sure. Um, I was like, dang, I love an L.A. movie. Damn, I love an L.A. Damn. movie. Damn. <laughs> So in the ticket taker's uniform still, she hits the streets and we see young girls being hoarded like we uh, mentioned. And finally, Xavier's team makes it to the train car and the dead lady. Uh, The team surmises what they're looking at in the train car is a bug cocoon. Bug cocoon. (laughs) So she's probably fully grown at this point and uh, they make it to the outside of the train car after it stinks in there because I would assume it really stinks in there. Dead body and weird alien cocoon, bug cocoon. Like it's got to really smell bad in there. Uh Alfred Molina, so Stephen thinks that uh, L.A. is going to be perfect for her. So this whole like little thing outside that train car is super weird, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's the city of the future. Anything goes. Totally mobile population. Everyone's a stranger. Very little is taboo or unacceptable. No one's going to notice her. Like, what a weird, like, did the city of, uh, the state of California, like, help fund this movie? And it's like, it, yeah, pump up L.A., man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the city of the future. Damn, I need to move to L.A. Anything's possible there. I love L.A. <laughs> That's just such a weird thing. Or maybe one of the writers just loved L.A. a whole bunch. And yeah. It's like, it's the city of the future. <laughs> it's the city of the future. <laughs> it's just so weird. I'm like, what a weird little like speech he makes. Right, right. It's so weird. Uh, uh, and then, of course... Ben Kingsley has to top this scene off. Just top it off. Like, one of the weirdest... He delivers it like he's a cardboard cutout when he <laughs> says it. The La- Los Angeles is where the battle is going to be fought. And won. It's just the weirdest... <laughs> it was the... It just looked so weird. Like... Ben, I want to talk to you about this movie and why you're doing it so weird. So weird. So weird. Uh, but we're back on the street with Syl, and she's trying to buy a wedding dress. I'm great. I mean, she looks good in it, but yeah. <laughs> but still, a wedding dress. Also, it was less than a hundred dollars. Yeah. Man, the nineties. Man, the nineties. <laughs> Man, the nineties. <90s. laughs> the best economy we ever had in the history of the world, and this just 
it's gone now. It's so gone. I wish you kids out there could understand the freedom and joyousness that the 90s were. Everybody had tons of money. Everything was cheap as hell. Yeah. Everybody did what they wanted all the time. Like it was It was amazing. It was amazing. The 90s. The 90s. Not just in LA either. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> right. Everywhere. Um, did you notice that, well, it was hard not to because it was very odd, obvious that when Sil noticed uh, that the uh, shopkeeper was pregnant, yeah, I thought that was kind of, it, it kind of like really made the viewer understand she's noticing that, that she really has this desire to mate and reproduce. Right. So it was an interesting way to do it right away. Just The visual storytelling in this movie is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, especially since Sil is very silent throughout most of the movie. Yes. Very silent. Um. Now we're at the hotel with the science team, with Team Science. Team I didn't know what the, what would you call them? Team Science, Team Government. Go Team, team Government. Go Team Government. Go Team Hit Squad. Hit Squad. Go Team Alien Murderers. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of a team name for them, so go Team Science. Uh, they have a new lab at the university nearby, and Doctor Baker wants to grow another specimen, and this time without any human DNA, and possibly find out what the intentions of the aliens are. Um, and Xavier agrees, but Ben Kingsley's acting says he wishes he was anywhere but in this movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Syl makes her way to the Saharan Motor Hotel and almost gets run down in the process. Uh, she gets to her room and uh, she learns more from the TV, specifically the art of seduction. P- plus, it's the first of many tits. So. Yeah, first of many tits. <laughs> many tits. Now we're in the lab uh, with Team Science, and the experiment is definitely going wrong at this point, and the lab is being infiltrated by the alien spawn. Xavier refuses to let Press and Laura Baker out of that room, and he could easily have done it multiple times. So many times. He had so much time so to much do this. Time. He stalls for fucking ever, and they still get out, and he does exactly what he needed to do. But that scene was way more anxiety ridden than it needed to be. As soon as I knew as soon as they dropped that bolt, I'm like, this <laughs> this son of a bitch is not gonna let him out. I just knew there's no way they're gonna get it back on. And then for them to actually get out, because I suspected them to die the first time watching that because Ben was being ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Nope. There was plenty of time. They still got <laughs> out and we still did what we needed to do. Like, okay. I have to follow protocol. Uh, what protocol? What protocol? <laughs> protocol for this experiment. Yeah, but you make the protocol, man. You're yeah, in charge. You like, make the protocol. Did you warn anybody about the protocol before you threw them in there? Like, uh, yeah, if you drop a bolt, I'm going to burn you guys alive. <laughs> well, just, just so you know. Why even have grates with holes that large in that room? Why are you doing it in that room? <laughs> why are you doing it in Seriously, that Seriously. You don't have some spare cardboard or something around to throw on the ground? What the hell's the matter with you? Scientist. Team science. Team science. Team not so smart at that point. Team not so smart. Which then, like, did you notice the other lady that was also there that had nothing to do with the team that was, like, bossing them around and telling them to do stuff? Like, she was the one that told uh, Press to use the gas line as a flamethrower. Oh, She's shit. like, use the press, use the gas line for a flamethrower. And he's like, oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, boy. The, like, just come on, dude. Just let him the fuck out. Let like, him the fuck out. 
<laughs> and we got a classic it's not dead yet and i love those little jump scares it's just you you knew it wasn't dead right it's like i think it's dead no dude it's not dead it's not dead, <laughs> it's not dead. That ain't dead dude. now it's spreading it's not dead it's spreading <laughs> faster than ever it's growing larger <laughs> and stronger <laughs> larger and stronger <laughs> Oh man, that is exactly what I thought of. I did not, but I will now. Every time I watch this movie, because I'm, I'm gonna watch this movie again. Obviously. <laughs> um, once again, more than enough time to let Press and uh, Baker out of the room, and uh, finally, finally, they just like gently push. Finally, uh, Daniel and uh, Stephen kind of just like gently push Xavier out of the way and push the button for yeah, him yeah it's not like he was even guarding it he was like at an arm's reach <laughs> trying to push it one of them could have just been like dude just come on let him out just ping, <laughs> just ping let him out and then they burn the room down so cue alien screaming because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's what you get every time with the fire obviously <laughs> cue alien screaming uh, we're back with Syl getting ready to go on a hunt for a mate. Uh, sex appeal pays, plays a big role in this movie. Like, that's kind of what it's all about. You Pretty know, much. Sex appeal and a sexy lady. We get some more tits. Uh, there's a, where's a good place to find a man? Uh, the hotel dude gets a credit card from Syl and recommends the club down the street. Um, but he's got to be thinking in his head for you anywhere. Yeah. Like, wherever you want to go. Exactly. <laughs> like, just, I, why didn't he just, hit on her? Just don't knock on doors, because that's not normal. <laughs> but other than that, anywhere you go. Yeah, just go walk down the street. You will find somebody yeah. to have sex with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he recommends the club. He gets the credit card. The credit card now al- elite alerts uh, Team Science that team does Sills in the exact same city as them, just down the block. It, doesn't it seem like everything is in, like, a two-block radius? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they go to that club. And then they keep going back to that club throughout the movie. Right. And the Which time... is like, uh, what, right around the corner from the hotel? From her hotel. Oh, right, right. And then it also seems like it's right around the corner from their hotel. Exactly. <laughs> it seems like they're very uh, close okay, together. Yeah, they share a corner. <laughs> right, they share a corner. They're actually across the street from each other. Right. <laughs> um, at the club, he goes, uh, uh, she's obviously, Sills walking up to the door, uh, hey, you, legs, you're in. Obviously. <laughs> and, he's like, and he's like, get in there. Like, hurry up. Yeah. Get in there. Hello, legs. <laughs> Hello, legs. Uh, Sill gets, clo- uh, gets cock-blocked by some hoe bag right away. She's trying to make her moves, <laughs> right? But then that lady's just like, oh, I got a party to go to. Yeah. Can you take me? God. Guess what that gets you? Blocked by a whole bag. (laughs) Gotta love that. Guess what that gets you? That gets your spine ripped out. That gets your spine ripped out. Like hardcore. Like hardcore. (laughs) You don't see it very well like the first time, but when they go back to it, you really get a hard look at it. Her spine looks gigantic. (laughs) She's got a big spine. She's got a big spine. She's got a big spine, (laughs) right? She's a big spine kind of lady. It's a a medical thing. She's got a big spine, right? She's got a big spine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, team science finally gets to the hotel and they find out about the club also to the hotel the saharan the hotel that sill was staying at not their hotel sill finds her first victim leaving the club um as the team shows up so that's pretty pretty convenient uh, for her there's a lot of that ships passing in the night with them like she's always kind of right by them yep. there's a couple of times where i swear xavier's looking out into the darkness like knowing that she's there and like oh, talking directly to her yep that's the way it feels at least because she's reading his lips right and at- she is right there and he looks like he's staring directly at her right. but somehow doesn't seem doesn't see the smoking blonde in the only car right that, has the, headlights that shining has the headlight shining yeah. like nope must not be her yeah uh, must not be her that's just it was okay moving on <laughs> moving on <laughs> 
so Syl is gone, and the dirt bag that she's with is like, there's always some kind of action going on in this part of L.A. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is a dirt bag. He is a dirt bag. Uh, Team Science does get tipped off on from the bouncer on about Ronnie, who was likely to have left with Syl. And um, so now we're back at Ronnie's house, which Ronnie must be loaded because that house is extravagant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ronnie takes a shower and Syl takes her top off. So more more teas. More teas. Um, Syl does get cold feet on the sex, though, and uh, Ronnie is a dirtbag and probably would have raped her if she hadn't seemingly gave in, right? Uh, seemingly, that's what was going to happen. <laughs> that was going yeah. to happen. And how do you uh, line up your house to snap your fingers and the lights turn on and then the second snap doesn't turn them back off? It turns <laughs> music on. So does the third one turn all of it back off? Or I'm, I'm confused by what the snap... How do you... No. One snap for lights, another snap for, for music... music. Third snap flushes the toilet. Third snap flushes the toilet. <laughs> Fourth snap locks your doors. Nice. Okay, so we're not even to the fifth snap yet yet, until we yet. shut everything up. Okay. Yep, okay. Uh, he gets a tongue jab through the back of his head, though. That was very alien. That was very alien. Very, very alien. But it's uh, very satisfying because he's a douchebag. Because he so is like a douchebag. He was going to rape her. He was going to rape her. I mean, uh, you know what we came here for. <laughs> Sex, whether you like it whether or not. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, that's better. You better say yeah, okay. That's better. Jesus, that stuff is. <laughs> Some of that is like the hardest stuff to like even watch in this movie. It's yeah. like watching that stuff because it's just like. Ugh. Yeah. What a douchebag! <laughs> what a douchebag! Uh, she does kill when she feels threatened or when he's a diabetic. It'd be funny though if she just started going around killing diabetics. Like yeah. she's just kind of confused about like what's going on. Yeah. She's like, oh, I gotta kill these diabetics. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. <laughs> Oh, uh, boy. Uh, team Science finds Ronnie's house and uh, Sill's bloody shower. That's pretty intense with all that blood coming out of her mouth and yeah. stuff. I like that. It's another instance of some real horror movie stuff. Which definitely. Really sprinkled in there, and I enjoy that. It's not a straight horror flick, but it's definitely scary at some points. Mm-hmm. This scene overall is legitly suspenseful because that shower is running while uh, uh, Press is climbing up the back uh, stoop or the back whatever, the back deck to get into the house. Yeah. Still does escape. I wish we could have seen maybe her escaping in some way, like out a window, sneaking out quickly around Something. the corner, just like whatever. I think that would have been good. Um, uh, she is nude, so I guess that's a plus if you're into that. Which, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not kind of into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, team Science hashes it out at uh, Ronnie's house, and we get the we get the the rest of what could have been her motives for what she's doing. Uh, number one is obviously to mate. Uh, her and Ronnie mating was unsuccessful. She's frustrated. Who isn't? Who isn't? <laughs> Who isn't frustrated? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Excuse me. We're back at the Saharan Hotel at Sill's room now with uh, Team Science. Uh, and they get some clues and we get uh, Xavier asking Laura, what is that? Uh, it's menstrual bud- blood. If she's menstruating, she's definitely capable of reproduction. Yes, I know. <laughs> Come on, Ben. <laughs> yes, I know. He sounds super annoyed with, <laughs> with her at that point. Yeah. Um, now we get to see Syl's dream. Uh, so this stuff's just kind of bouncing around in this movie. We're just getting little bits of pieces and everything, uh, trying to get the story to come together here a little bit. Um, the oddly terrifying alien mating, like yeah. she gets that, uh, 
She gets that alien wiener right in her chest. Like, yeah. Right in that chest. Right like, in the chest. Yikes. Yikes. Um, seems very xenomorphish. Seems very alien. Right? Oh, yeah. It just, I mean, H.R. Geiger has shown, like, I like to make stuff that looks like the movie Alien. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of his style, it seems like. For being kind of concerned about this movie being derivative of some of the other work that he's done. It's still like, I don't know, dude. It still looks like it's Alien. still looking a lot like Alien. It's still looking a lot like Alien. Um, it was a stunt woman named D, oh, excuse me, Dana He. She was an Olympic gold medalist in Taekwondo. So that's who this woman is in the tank when they do those flashbacks. Yeah. Um, she was hired to be the stunt performer as the human sill. Uh, she was primarily, primarily used in a water featuring sequence. Um, so that's, uh, like, how would you like to be the stunt lady? You're going to put on this suit. You're going to do all these stunts and then you're in like little tiny flashes of the movie and that's it. You know, like you put all this work into doing all these other stunts. No one knows it's you. (laughs) No one knows it's you. I guess I hope the paycheck was good. And I, I didn't look into her any more than that. So I don't know if she even made any more movies or even continued to do this or if she became like world champion Taekwondo lady and retired right on her pile of gold. From being a world champion Taekwondo right. person. Was she in a JCVD <laughs> movie? We don't know. We don't she know. She could have been. She could have been. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but these like sequences that we keep seeing with her mating with maybe not her necessarily. I don't know if it's supposed to actually represent her. If she's viewing this in the third person or if right. she's viewing it from her first person, but we get it presented as a third Whatever, it's supposed to be her, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> this, like, speaks to her hidden desires and instincts, right? Like, right. that's what it is speaking to, and it's trying to show us that. She wakes up the next morning in at the beach in the car, and, you know, that seems pretty normal to just wake up in a car at the beach in L.A. with a top down. Not like she probably would have been robbed or kidnapped or anything in the no. night. So no. That's okay. Uh, she probably would have killed him anyways, though. Yeah, that's uh, true. The car does run out of gas uh, shortly after that and still is forced to hoof it. And now because she is so distractingly beautiful, she causes a car accident and then she gets run down. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. The skateboarder looked to be about 45 years old. Like, did, you, <laughs> did you notice that? He looked like an old, old Way dude. too old to be skateboarding. Uh, uh, when she gets hit by the car, you don't actually see the impact being made. It flashes away to her flying into the, the bus right. shelter or whatever you want to call it. Um, I would have really liked to have seen the original footage of what that car is hitting. Because if you watch that scene, when it cuts away or when it cuts to the car hitting whatever it is, you can see two little black objects sticking down at the very top of the scene. And I feel like that's like the dummy that it hits feet. So instead of flying backwards when they smash this dummy, it just probably went flying straight up and over the car. Yeah, so I yeah. wish I could have seen that because they're probably like, fuck, we do not have enough money to do this scene again. <laughs> just cut it. We'll do it in editing. Yeah, we'll do it in editing. Just cut it. Just pan to her hitting the bus fucking thing. God damn it. Fuck. <laughs> So I don't know. I slowed it down because I'm like, I want to see what this thing hit. You never do actually see. So I want to see that extending foot extended footage because it would be hilarious. And then I also love after the dude that uh, hits Sill, like he looks back out of his car and just goes, shit, shit, (laughs) peels out, peels the fuck out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Uh, oh, enter man. 1995 California hunk, right? Boom. <laughs> he calls 911 on the car phone. Did you ever know anybody that had a car phone? Not, Or how about one of those bag phones? No. Okay. 
So my parents, like when cell phones were kind of first becoming a thing and we used to make those trips to Fargo all the time, probably in like 1996, maybe 1997, they got like one of the kind of first-ish cell phones that was like in a bag. Okay. Like you had to, it was this whole big thing. It was the size of like a small, small briefcase probably. Yeah. And uh, we had that in the car in case of emergencies when traveling to Fargo in the wintertime, you know, so we could call somebody. <laughs> right. Uh, and when cell phones become more became more prevalent, they got more modern phones. And then I got my driver's license. And they're like, you have to take this bag phone with you because, you know, if you get in trouble, you can still call 911 on it. <laughs> so I had this bag phone in my high school car for like ever and ever and ever. Oh, my gosh. Like, was I never used it once. I Obviously. had no idea if it would work at all, even if I plugged it into the cigarette lighter, you know. To, right. Yeah, so bag phone. Bag phone. <laughs> bag phone. I, you do hear somebody in the crowd after she gets hit say, somebody call 911, or does anybody have a phone? And right. It's an interesting thing to hear because everybody's got a phone now. Yeah. Um, That'd be getting recorded, you know. Right, nowadays. yeah. Somebody would have been recording instantly, like right in her face, like zooming in and zooming right. out with some Catching weird... the license plate on the guy. <laughs> Shit. Peeling <laughs> out. Somebody just hit that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the abandoned uh, BMW gets found by the police at this point, and Team Science is reviewing the footage from the hotel. Um... Why does this scene open with Xavier saying the video enhancement isn't all that great? When they're enhancing that video from the hotel, he's just like, the video enhancement isn't all that great. <laughs> okay, great. Such is just unneeded Thanks, and weird. Thanks, Xavier. Thanks, guy. <laughs> she looks about 23. She should be fully developed. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Dr. Baker. Yeah, yeah, she's 23. Her biological clock must be in overdrive. She wants to have a baby. And if Syl has a baby boy, God knows how many females he could impregnate. God knows. Thanks, guys. Like, it'd be easier for him. Like, he's going to look like a male model, apparently. Like, it's supposed to be easier for the boy to impregnate a bunch than her. She can get anyone she wants. Yeah, exactly. Diabetics and all. Especially if she can be pumping out kids, like, within the day. Within the day. Within the day. (laughs) Like, that was super duper quick. Yeah. We'll get to that a little bit We'll get to that. And then Ben Kingsley, another gem right at the end of the scene, because he's just kind of the worst in this movie. They found the murdered guy's BMW. It ran out of gas in Santa Monica. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ben. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Xavier. Um, We're at the hospital now with 90s hunk. And uh, an interesting statement that even in the 90s about our healthcare system, that they weren't willing to like do anything unless she had insurance. Like not even like nothing. He's like, fine, here, have my credit card. Does that make things all better? Now you're going to give me information? Sure thing, sir. Right away. Thanks for the money, sir. Come on. Free healthcare. Did you hear about the free lunches for kids in Minnesota? Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, every kid in Minnesota can have a free lunch at school now. They passed a bill. That's crazy. That's really, really awesome. That's super awesome. That's super awesome. There's no reason why our kids shouldn't be getting food every day for free. Two meals, breakfast and lunch, for free every day. There's some kids that that's all they eat in the day. Yeah. And if we're feeding our inmate population off of our taxpayer money, I feel like we can feed some kids. I think we can feed some kids. I feel like we can feed some kids. Yeah, I agree. Okay, this is me getting off of Soapbox. Moving on. Um, so still we get to witness the accelerated healing that she goes through in the hospital room and, uh, the doctor is just baffled. Jesus Christ. Did you just see her shoulder blade? Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Doctor, there's a child burn victim over here. We need you immediately. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
I kind of recognize that guy. Like he's been in other '90s he's, stuff. Yep. I recognized him for sure. I didn't look him up, but he's I recognized in, him uh, for sure. Friends as a doctor once. Oh, so. interesting. You know, he's probably played a whole lot of doctors, yeah, like single probably. scene doctors, right? Uh, Team Science now at the BMW, and uh, they hear about the weird stories coming from the hospital down the road, and Lauren Press go to check it out. Uh, some more helpful insight from Daniel. She walked. She walked that way, and then everybody looks off into the distance. Like, yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> thanks, Dan. Did we not just establish she mostly, wa- most likely walked away because uh, the car ran out of gas? Like, yeah. Most likely. Yeah. <laughs> most likely. Uh, fast forward to later that night and still in California, Hunk, who we still don't know his name yet, nope. <laughs> are getting comfortable with a nice charcuterie board. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Delicious. I got cheese and fruit. Cheese and fruit, man. Break out your titties. Sometimes it doesn't even feel like I live in LA. Don't I have so much money? Don't I have so much money? <laughs> money you've never seen a hot tub before take out those titties take out those titties <laughs> polaroid time because it's the 90s polaroid time that was one of the weirdest parts of the movie to me is that I, like a normal thing i don't know i just met you and picked you up off the street and now you're at my house after being at the hospital let's take a picture yeah i don't feel like that's a normal thing with cell phones even nowadays like, no. i just met you we've talked like three words to each other but i brought out the fruit so let's remember this forever <laughs> snap like okay <laughs> That, that was interesting, and she was, like, flabbergasted at what the hell a camera was. Yeah, she flashed away real quick. They don't get a very good picture of her. Um, but Laura and Press are now at the hospital, and uh, they finally get hunky dude's name, John F. Carey. John F. Carey. John F. Carey. Sounds presidential. Definitely. Or uh, John F. Carey. That was a very bad Kennedy impression. That's what <laughs> I was going for. It was not good. I promise I'll never do it again. <laughs> uh, that's the only info that they really get which should be enough for them to be able to look them up in any phone book in the nation because uh, it's the uh, 90s and obviously. everybody's is in the phone book um, we also get the first signs of love interest really shared between Laura and Press Candy I think that was totally like improvised right because her reaction was very clunky don't you think yeah. she's like huh Come on, she just like <laughs> dives her hand in there real quick. It was just a very clunky reaction from her. Um, this is why we need the videotape, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, she grabs that handful of candy and she smiles, and their love story sucks and is unbelievable. So I yeah. hate it. I hate their love story. I think they have zero chemistry together. Zero chemistry. It's a little bit better towards the end, but I just feel like their their story just is not good. No. I feel like maybe she or he like did not like them personally, maybe off of camera or something yeah. like that. It just, just sucks. <laughs> it just didn't work very well for me at all. I did not like it. Uh, Press and Laura get Carrie's address and phone number from their computer, because that should have been super, super easy, barely an inconvenience. Right? Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> and they're off to save that man's life. <laughs> uh, back at Carrie's house, things are getting a bit more sexy. We get some more hoots. Some more hoots. More hoots. <laughs> uh, things are getting serious in the hot tub at this point, and then the phone rings, and Carrie wants to get it. I better go get my phone. I better go get my phone. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, they're moving way too fast. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was sort of like an excuse to get out of the hot tub, right? Yeah. Like he's just like it was no like, oh man, I gotta get the phone. It's like I gotta get out of here. Which I mean, it's like in some ways remotely nice to see guys not trying to just get right to banging, but in the same breath, I'm very confused because he was willing to save this smoking hot blonde, give up his credit card. He brings out the cheese and fruit right away. He's got the pool, so he wants to end up in there. He takes a picture to remember this night, and because she's into him. He wants to wait. I guess uh, you'd think that he would be really into it, right? You would think he'd be. You'd think this is exactly what he was hoping for. You would think so, but, but 
Anyway, anyway. got to get the phone. <laughs> I got to get the phone. <laughs> <laughs> got to get the phone. Uh, it's Laura on the other end of that phone, and uh, she says that uh, she got his machine, and should I leave a message? Yeah, tell him he's about to copulate with a being from another universe or galaxy uh, or whatever he said. <laughs> copulate, huh? Copulate. Yeah, copulate. <laughs> Copulate. Copulate. <laughs> uh, so does she leave the message? No. She Seem- must not. Seemingly not. Because the way answering machines work, when they pick up, you hear the message through the machine. Correct. You, we don't hear the machine. So she could have been like, hey, don't fuck that chick. Yeah. Don't fuck that chick. She's going to kill you. Don't fuck so, that chick. Unless she was leaving it while he's getting drowned. I mean, could have been. Could have been. I mean, that maybe, but shouldn't we have heard we it as the audience? We should have heard it, yes. We should have heard it as the audience. I don't think she left it. She's like, oh, she you're funny. Copulate. Copulate, click. I'm like a little <laughs> Copulate. No dice on that, though. So I'm guessing you're right. She didn't leave the message. Um, Sill is putting on all the moves at this point aggressively. Aggressively. <laughs> It's not too soon for us to be together. <laughs> he's like, no, it's not too soon for us to be together. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then at that point, he's like, take it easy. Just relax. Yeah, we got plenty, we of, got time. plenty of time. Um, Laura and Press arrive at John's house and Syl and John still at this point. Uh, they figure out that someone is at the door because they heard the they heard the door rattle, I guess, across the house over a hot tub. Whatever. I, we'll take it. I mean, yeah. maybe he should have pushed the, the doorbell. A house like that in the Hollywood Hills would have like an intercom system, right? I would think. And there'd probably be an intercom like right by the hot tub. Yeah. Because you're rich in a hot tub. You want an intercom right there if someone comes to your door. Yeah. I'm out back. Yeah, because it's the 90s and people just show up at your house still. Right. So, I mean, there should have... Uh, Definitely. <laughs> whatever. Uh, but then again, uh, John's like, oh, I better go get the door. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Don't go. I want to have a baby. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Coming on pretty strong there, Syl. I want to have a baby. And unfortunately, that's it for, for poor John. Poor John. Poor John. I feel like he should not have died. When I was watching this the first time, I was like, he's not going to die. He's not going to die. Yeah. He's going to get out of this, right? right. They're going to save him. No, he died. No, he dies. <laughs> Surprise, I'm dead. <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> I'm dead. He gets that tentacle down the throat. Ugh. Yeah, that was pretty hideous. That, that was, was super hideous. Nobody wants that. Uh, nobody nobody wants that. And we get to see Sills like full transformation at this point, yeah. which it looks pretty cool. I appreciate that it's a practical effect, but like the 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 scale of the the animatronic uh, puppet isn't right for me in my eyes. It feels like it's too small. Mm-hmm. The scale when it's behind him and he, they, whatever, it just feels too small for me. But it still looked pretty good, and I appreciate practical effects, like I've always said on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Press and Laura, they have snuck around back, only to find John dead and no uh, sign of Sill in sight. No sign of Sill in sight. <laughs> no sign of Sill in sight. Um, Press does venture into the backyard, which is very foggy. Like, <laughs> it's very, very foggy. Very foggy. <laughs> He's looking for Sill, but with no success. Um, Sill's watching him through the fence, and uh, Laura gets attacked by a squirrel, because squirrels do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was a fucking squirrel. <laughs> it was a squirrel. <laughs> I forgot how crazy squirrels were in the 90s. <laughs> they were pretty crazy. They I were mean, crazy. The crack epidemic was real. <laughs> It was real. <laughs> you didn't hear about the squirrels in L.A.? Crack, man. They found crack. <laughs> Get out of there. Get out of there. 
We got cocaine bear now. <laughs> crack squirrels in the 90s. <laughs> crack squirrels in the 90s. Uh, so we get some more naked sill, and she's like almost full frontal at this point. Uh, more sweater meets, and uh, she abducts that poor woman yep. uh, at the grocery store. Like, that poor lady. Yeah. That poor lady. Poor lady. I did not see it coming back around that she had kept her. Right, right. Because like, she already had learned how to drive. Why didn't she just like kick her out? Yeah. Why'd like, you have to keep her and then tie her up and stuff? Like she's planning that far ahead that right. she looks like her enough that she's going to fake her own death. That's a very far ahead plan. Very That's a far very, ahead plan. Very far, far ahead plan. Um, we're back at John's now with Team Science and they find the Polaroid. No evidence of semen in the water. Maybe she took it with. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Oh. Like, I don't even know what that really means. Maybe she took it with. That's gross. Like, uh, <laughs> drain them for every last drop. Um, she still hasn't managed to mate. Well, we interrupted, interrupted her. Yes, I think we did, Dan. Give me something I can use, Dan. <laughs> Man, Fitch hates Dan. He does. Fitch hates Dan. Quit being such a douche, dude. What have you come up with? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, she isn't afraid of them. Um, she keeps returning to the scenes of her murders like a serial killer, doesn't she? She wants to like check it out all the time and be like, oh, yeah, I did that. That's pretty sweet, man. <laughs> uh, Xavier says that they're going to go back to the club when stake it out. And this is that instance where he's looking down the road, seemingly directly at Syl, yep. letting her read his lips. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I have something a little bit to talk about with him at the end of the of the uh, of the review here so for sure yeah she reads lips she reads lips man she reads lips dude you know that looking right at her that uh, that bastard that dirty bastard bastard um we get a little bit more dialogue between press and laura um in their car now because they're all uh heading back to the club um she's the cure we're the disease you know so that's kind of an interesting take on it i feel like i've heard that in other alien invasion films that we're the disease you know we're the virus to be eliminated so um plus a little bit more flirting um it does not work no (laughs) it does not work for me at all um still followed them to the hotel so none of them have side mirrors or rear view mirrors to see that this car followed them the whole way there back at the hotel um steven uh alfred molina's character is looking for a dinner date specifically with laura because he loves laura i think or he's like she's the only one in my league one or the two right um no dice uh she wants to go back to the room and uh, uh, Press just kind of walks away, smirking at the situation, and he's he's like, "Dude, don't even try. I got this unlocked. I got it unlocked." <laughs> but Dan's like, "I'll go have something to eat with you." Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. I didn't want to have any food with you. Yeah. Food was food was code for sex. Yeah, <laughs> food. Was Duh, dude. For sex. Aren't you an empath? Don't you an empath? Don't you know this? Don't you know this? <laughs> um, we follow Press now to the elevator, and uh, Syl is following him because she has the hots for Press, um, which is evident from her waking dream hallucination that she has right outside the elevator. Right. Yeah. So right at this point, she is. If we're led to believe now after multiple watches that she kind of transforms, maybe she doesn't transform physically into that alien self when she has these things, but maybe more mentally she is. Right. Because, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but um, she is noodly beckoning press through the through the door in her little thing, noodly. <laughs> she's naked. Noodly. Uh, he uh, rips off his shirt all sexily. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but still ends up waking up at home with the kidnapped lady and uh, from the grocery store. Um, she's seemingly pretty disoriented, disoriented, so she still is not quite grasping how these things are working yet, I don't think. Right. 
Um, so how did she get home? I mean, she must have walked, I guess, right? Just guess. another plot hole. We're going to move on from that. Um, at the ki- uh, the kidnapped lady's house, uh, most this is where we see the most lines for Syl in the whole movie in like a row. So that's kind of interesting that she finally gets to have her voice a little bit. And this is like the last time we hear from her. Yeah, all, pretty much. So uh, Syl asks the victim if they have any nightmares. And she does. She's having one right now. Yeah. <laughs> a very bad one. She's living one. <laughs> uh, Syl finally finally kind of puts things together and she realizes that her dreams are revealing who she really is and um, not having any other guidance on who she is or what she's supposed to do she decides that she's just going to follow her gut and like do yeah. what these uh, do what these visions are saying and just uh, start going on a killing spree I guess and trying to mate with hot dudes yeah pretty much <laughs> And her very very crazy plan that plays out for the next fifteen minutes. Like, yeah, such a such a crazy plan. I I love how convoluted and weird and just out there it is. It's just like only a dude that was up at four o'clock in the morning that's probably had too much coffee, maybe too much co- cocaine at this point. Yeah, is <laughs> gonna write this weird plan. He's gonna keep this chick. She's gonna get a whole bunch of gas. She's gonna run the car down into this electrical box. It's gonna explode. But first, she's gonna chop both their thumbs off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> What an elaborate idea. Uh, she snips those thumbs off. Some very good CG. Like, I wonder how much it costs to do that thumb scene, because it looked really good and, hold, yeah. and held up pretty darn I mean, well. it did not look like her hand. No, it did not look it like did, her it hand. It did not look like her hand. I no. thought it looked like a funny man hand there, but... It did. It did. But it was still like the CG itself right. was good. Right, right. Uh, but then when she does cut off that uh, uh, grocery lady's hand uh, thumb, I'm like, oh, man, like, leave this poor bitch alone. Yeah. <laughs> she had it rough enough. <laughs> Just... Why don't you let her go? You don't really need her. Yeah. Let her go. They're I thought gonna... you only kill when you're threatened. <laughs> yeah. like, what the hell? They do try to play that angle a little bit where she's like, I won't hurt you. And then Syl's like, yes, you will. Yes, you yes, will. You, you just will. don't know it yet. <laughs> what the hell is that supposed to mean? You're way stronger than her. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, next, Syl gets into her bitchin' Ford Taurus wagon. That thing was kick-ass, man. Dude, I, I love station wagons, uh, yes, especially dude. that that one there. My dad used to have one when I really? was a kid. Like, not that oh, station okay, wagon, okay. but he had a station wagon for a little bit, and I like I always wanted to talk him into letting me ride in the way back that yeah, was unsafe, yeah. but we did it in New Orleans, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I saw that, I'm like, that is sweet, and it's a Ford, so it's probably pretty reliable it was pretty reliable i'm sure and uh i looked up after seeing this i'm like i gotta I got see are there any of these even available to buy because i, I want to see how much they are i would guess no there are a few across the nation there was one in north carolina with eighty thousand miles on it so that's not very much it was nice. a 1993 taurus wagon same it looked the same i don't know if it's the same model year right, whatever right right, right. It was a 1993 at eighty thousand ish miles on it and they wanted like 3k for it i'm like that's a lot of money for that and it's in north carolina I don't think Kristen will appreciate me buying this. Probably not. <laughs> I was like, it'd be so badass to drive this thing around. Yeah, like, I would well, love it. Road trip. That was the end of that. That was that. the end of that uh, um, fantasy of mine. <laughs> I don't think I'll be buying it. Um, she stakes out, Syl in her Taurus wagon, stakes out a few places to kind of get her plan going, like the electrical box at the bottom of a hill that she knew was there and fits perfectly into her plan. <laughs> the, she goes to the gas station and fills up some jugs with gas. Great. Um, time to stash that Ford wagon, though, and steal another car. 
Walks back to that uh, gas station, steals that bitch and fox body Mustang, right? <laughs> it's got to have a 5-0 in it. That thing was kick-ass, dude. <laughs> uh, next, we get the gas from the wagon, all being put into the Ford uh, Mustang at this point, all being done in broad daylight. So the 90s, man. Nobody gave a fuck what you did. No. They're like, you doing some weird shit? Whatever. I don't care. It's Whatever. She's hot. <laughs> Whatever. She's hot. <laughs> Whatever. Um, back at the party club now with Team Science. Uh, they're staking it out, and uh, heartbroken Steven, he wants Laura, obviously, but the press has that on lockdown, uh, leaves the club. It's too smoky, mate. <laughs> too smoky, mate. <laughs> I'm going to go lay down in the back of the van and have a rest. <laughs> <laughs> what a British thing to say. Uh, we see Dan leave the club, too. He seems to have a sense that Syl is near. Um, did you like the dumpster scare? Like when uh, he, no, no, I, <laughs> I mean it scared me. <laughs> oh, I thought it was after the first time watching it where it gave me that jump scare because right, it's right, a right. really cheap scare. I laughed out loud every time at it because it's so weird. Yeah, it's so weird and wacky that that's even in the movie. Right for any reason whatsoever. Yes, you're looking for a reason to distract Dan, right, and make him look away so Sil can sneak up on him. You know, kind of glide up on him. Right, right. Why can't he just like look down the street? Yeah, and then look back and she's there. She's, and she's insanely there. fast. That would make sense, but nope. Does she ha- do they have to have a couple of homeless dudes in a dumpster going, Get out of here! This is our trash can! <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have to have that in this movie? Not one bit. I'm glad it was, because it was funny. It's funny. <laughs> it's very funny on subsequent watches. So it's a good comedic point, and I found myself looking forward to it every time I watched the movie, because it was hilarious yeah. to me. <laughs> um. And like I said, at that point, uh, Syl must have seen that as an opportunity, and she just kind of glides right up, just glides right up onto Dan, and uh, Dan tries to alert the others, and but it's a bit too late, and Syl's trap plan, whatever it is, her escape plan, kind of, to fake her death, really starts to get rolling now. Um, she escapes the lot with the tied-up grocery gal in the front seat by just bulldozing her way out, which was exciting and fun, um, right through that uh, car and through the ticket booth. The government gang is close in pursuit, and we hear uh, Xavier say, she's headed to the hills. We're going to need the helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Xavier. Uh, helicopters are a must for a 90s action movie, right? Obviously. you got to have those helicopters. Have no helicopters, no 90s action movie. No 90s action. Helicopters, helicopters, helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> I also really love the car chase. I'm a sucker for car chases. It's they're always exciting to me. I love the squealing tires. I love this one looked pretty good in the hills of Los Angeles too. Like they were, they looked like they were booking and really doing it for real. Like yeah. I appreciate that. It looked really good. I you gotta it. give me a get to the chopper, get to the chopper, get to the chopper, <laughs> get to the chopper. It's it's necessary. <laughs> Uh, Syl finally gets to her destination, the hill with the electrical box at the bottom. Uh, with that gas sloshing everywhere, Syl gives it the uh, Syl gives it the old tuck and roll right out that yep. door, right? Um, I do like how she slowed down and like kind of got up to the edge and just went flying down the hill. Um, once again, great stunt. It looked like they really drove that car down the hill. Yeah. It didn't look like they used the camera angle to make the angle of the hill look more steep or anything like that. Right. It looked like they just sent a dude down the hill in that car. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's pretty cool. I yeah. love that stuff. Um, grocery gal gets absolutely annihilated. Destroyed. In the <laughs> explosion. <laughs> um, when Syl does, let me just step back for a second. When Syl does like tuck and roll out of the car, the door just goes flying off of it, right? Yeah. It doesn't just open. No. So is that part of her plan to like make it so it's easy for her to get out or is that a necessity of the stunt? 
Like, it has to come off. Otherwise, the person doing the stunt might die. Probably option two. <laughs> Probably option two. <laughs> it was interesting that it did go, because first, once again, first watch, missed it. Second, third watch, I'm like, that door just goes flying off yeah. when she jumps out. But um, I would agree with you. It's probably a necessity of the stunt so that the stunt person can live. <laughs> <laughs> Ten, a, tends to be important. It's a good thing. Also, oh, okay. I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit. So we were talking about how it goes down and it hits the uh, electrical box, absolutely explodes. right? Yeah. And then we see uh, Press and Laura at the top of the hill because they've had enough time to stop their cars, get right. out, walk over to the hill and watch this all happen. That's what we're meant to believe. And then the helicopters come through and missile that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says, Holy fuck. Grocery gal got fucked. She got fucked. <laughs> grocery gal got annihilated. Grocery she should have waited till the next day to get her groceries. Yeah, she really should have. I mean, what happened to those groceries? I mean, they're probably rotting in the... Wait, uh, wasted. Wasted. Just completely, completely wasted. Or, you know, uh, Syl ate the shit out of them because yeah. she has the appetite of, like, three giants. Yeah, <laughs> she probably ate the shit out of them. Yeah. You're right. A little pre-kill snack. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So at this point, Fitch is pretty convinced that Syl is dead. Uh, the rest of the team, not so much, though, right? They're like, it shouldn't right. have been that easy, right? Yeah. Even uh, Press says, it's that easy, Fitch? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. This is not my first rodeo. Which we haven't talked about Michael Madsen a whole lot in this movie. He is one damn sexy dude in this movie. Like, yeah. He is peak 90s Michael Madsen. Oh, for sure. And he looks like just a stone-cold killer the yep. whole time, and I love that about Michael Madsen. He's mm-hmm. a... These roles for him, he plays a lot of them, you know, are perfect for his personality perfect. and the way that he uh, he acts and stuff. And I guess if you can take one character and spread it across a dozen or more movies and make a career out of it, good for you, dude. Good for you. Good man. for you. So at Grocery Gal's house, Syl is uh, changing her look, and that was foreshadowed at the beginning of the movie, uh, with the uh, hair dye uh hair dye commercial which was kind of interesting to put that in to foreshadow it at all but yeah i guess might why not to make the movie feel more relating i guess more relative to itself and mm-hmm. it kind of gives you the illusion of depth in the characters i guess which is fine it's it's good stuff to have in a movie i i enjoy the continuity type of that stuff um but team science goes back to the club and uh, dan and steven are drinking some long island iced teas it loves those little cups of tea doesn't yeah. he yeah <laughs> Uh, no one can really believe that it's over and still is dead. Uh, Press and Laura hit the dance floor. There's zero chemistry between them. And Press ends up like leaving Laura on the dance floor immediately when she's like confessing his her love to him. You yeah. Know? Like, I would never not want to see you again. A little con- convoluted way to say that. But right, right. Uh, he thinks he sees Syl, but it's just some other blonde haired lady. And I can't believe that the dude that she was with didn't swing on him because. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. At least get in his face a little bit. He didn't even say anything. Right. He's just like, huh? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What a very, very awkward thing to have happen in a club at all. Right. That's just I would be like, I'm out of here. I can't be in this yeah, room at all. Later. <laughs> Um, he does seem kind of embarrassed and heads back to the table with Stephen and Dan. And um, he does say to Laura right before that, though, that he's unsure if he really wanted this job to end. And um, the romance between Laura and Press seems to be kind of over. And Laura storms, storms off to go to the ladies' room. Um, she says, thanks for the dance. Like, come on, dude. Come yeah. on, dude. Um, at this point, Laura, on her way to the bathroom, walks by Fitch standing at the bar. 
Do you remember this scene? Yeah. And he looks at her and goes, hi. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> and then he looks back to the bar. Yeah. She doesn't say anything, I don't think. It's I just the so. weirdest little Hi. Just it was just the the weirdest thing ever and uh made me chuckle the third time I watched the movie. I distinctly remember just being like, I don't get that. Yeah. I don't get it. What is weird? Just the weirdest. Um Laura's in the bathroom now and it's with Sil. Sil. Spooky. Brunette. Sil. She looks way better as a blonde. Obviously. Way better as a blonde. Um, Fitch seems to be on the lookout for Syl by the elevators at this point. It's kind of like he's looking over his shoulder, not really believing his own rhetoric that she's dead. Yeah. Um, Laura tells the boys that she's going to be going to bed and that Dan and Steven convince press to go hit that. So (laughs) (laughs) like, she does still want to see you. You should probably go have some sex with her. And he's like, yeah, all right. Sure. Might as well. Might as well. well." He had, he does actually say maybe I'll go find out about that. So it's a little bit more romantic than we presented it, but yeah, it was just about banging that, I guess. <laughs> um, Press and Sill are now in the elevator together. Suspenseful scene, right? Uh, yes. Um, he's got a feeling that there's something up with this lady in the elevator. He's kind of got that sixth sense going, like uh, like Dan does. And um, Press does make it to Laura's room, which. Um, Syl follows him out after saying that she needs to go to floor 10, which he was going to follow him out anyway. Um, when uh, Press makes it to Laura's room, uh, she's a little bit excited about it, to say the least, right? He puts the yeah. uh, Do Not Disturb sign on the door, and it's a uh, sexy time. Sexy time. Um, Syl's listening through the door, um, but housekeeping walks by, and she gets the gets the bright idea basically to steal the keys uh, from the housekeeping lady. So poor housekeeping ladies, gotta go. Sorry, gotta lady, go. gotta Sorry, die. Lady. I know you got a family and kids at home, but <laughs> this alien's gonna kill you. Yep. Take your keys. Uh, housekeeping has a job opening now, so if you want to apply, yep. <laughs> they have a job opening. There's a mess to clean up. Yep. Um, do you think when Syl goes into the room adjacent to Laura and well, which one, Laura and? Presser in. I'm assuming it's Laura's room. It is Laura's room. Does she does she understand that it's one of the other people's rooms? That it's uh, Alfred Molina's. It's uh, Steven's room. Does she understand that? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, so she enters that room and uh, she's listening uh, into Laura's room. And why is she doing this for fun? I guess to determine when to attack. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't understand this. To find out when they're done so she can have a go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I like, don't know. Just a little sexy time for the audience, I think. Um, Sill's starting to have more visions, and this is when Steven walks into the room, and there's Sill. How did you get in here? <laughs> uh, she's coming on pretty strong. I stole a key. I came up here to bang you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. Gonna take off my clothes. So, this so- doesn't usually happen to me, but I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely down. Get some more sweater cows. Um... Oh, Stephen, even though this doesn't happen to you often, it is happening and it's going to happen all the way, Stephen. Um, Alfred Molina, interestingly enough, remembers this scene with Natasha Natasha Henstridge being um, kind of a nerve wracking one, especially for her because she had never done any type of sex scene like this, like to this extent before. Um, Molina told Henstridge, Henstridge that this was actually his first sex scene also in film. Um, I should say his first sex scene with a woman. (laughs) The only other sex scene that he had acted in up to this point was in a 1987 film called Prick Up Your Ears, and that was with a man. So his first on-screen sex scene with a lady. On-screen sex scene. On-screen sex scene. There's been a couple of those. uh, (laughs) 
It's a fairly graphic scene. Fairly graphic. Fairly graphic. You're approaching some Skinamax, some uh, HBO real sex stuff. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's getting there. And it gives us one of the best lines of the whole movie. When they're done, he goes, oh, I enjoyed that immensely. <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> That's what you're saying to the smoking hot model? Oh, I enjoyed that immensely. <laughs> Like, yes, Stephen, we know. <laughs> we know. Oh, these uh, fairly graphic sex scenes are kind of a, like, 90s action movie thing, right? Oh, definitely. If you watch a John, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie or a Steven Seagal movie from around the same time period, there mm-hmm. is always a scene like this in every one of those movies. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that it made it to such a mainstream action film, but it really falls in line with a lot of the other types of rated R movies of the time from right. the 90s. And there were a whole hell of a lot more rated R movies back then. Yeah. Because people just went to the theater to go to the theater. Yeah, Like exactly. You would literally just go to the theater and see what's playing and then pick something right. and go to it. Yeah, you didn't wait for a movie to come out. It was just a thing. Like, yeah. we're going to go to the theater today. Let's watch fine. one of the three options. Yeah. So it was just an interesting 90s theaters were great. Definitely missed the 90s yeah. theater scene. Definitely missed the Oh, look, theater. it's species. Titties. <laughs> Titties. I'm only, was, this came out in 1995, so I would have been 11. Probably wouldn't have been able to get into this at 11. But I remember going to Rated R Films as a 13, 14, 15 oh, yeah. year old just by myself. Yeah. Well, not by myself, with friends, but not with a parent or guardian. Yeah. They would just sell you the tickets. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Some 16 year old behind the counter, like, I don't give a fuck, kid. Here you go. Here's your ticket. Go yeah. see some titties. Go and see some, guns. some titties, dude. <laughs> That was probably more of what it was with these dudes that worked at these theaters. Yeah. They see these preteens come in and they're like, yeah, man, go see this <laughs> go movie. See it, dude. <laughs> go see it, dude. Your dad's not here. Titties. <laughs> Titties, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, we do quickly see Dan in his room, and Dan knows that something's going on. Something has started to happen because he's having like his own flashes of what Syl sees. So, right. Like, her like sexual energy has gotten her just like so revved up that somebody like Dan, who's sensitive to that type of thing, can now start viewing it also, I guess. Right. Um, it really made me think of The Shining. Like a lot of the stuff in the hotel at the end, like gave me those shining vibes. Definitely. Especially like the specific scenes when Dick Halloran is in his room watching TV and he's getting those visions of what's yeah. happening to Danny Torres and Jack Torres and Wendy Torres. And now Dan's laying on the bed just like that. Basically. And his name is also Dan. Yeah. Like, yeah. It seems like an obvious homage maybe from the director of this Definitely movie. could be. Because it's, it's very coincidental that these things are very similar. Right. So uh, it, I think that's what it is. And if he was going for that or not, I like it. And I'm going to say that it was. Right. <laughs> I agree. I like it. Um, I did have to look up Dick Halloran's name because I could not remember it. I was like, yeah. what's his name? <laughs> Scatman Carruthers. What's your name? Yeah, right. Dick. Uh, Dan knows Syl is at the hotel and he had Zoe and in Steven's room and he decides to go knock on Laura and uh, Laura's door instead. Right. Just yeah. yeah. I mean, he was afraid that maybe Syl would kill him instantly, but. She kills him anyways. Uh, <laughs> Press, when he does come to the door, is a little bit annoyed at first. I get it. I get it, man. Uh, they were just banging. So, I mean, yeah. I, I get it. But he gets dressed after uh, Dan convinces him, you know, that uh, Syl is here, right? And it was interesting that Press was so, like, 
unreceptive to the idea that Syl might be there because he was like one of the main proponents. Like, she's not dead. She's yeah. not dead. And then all of a sudden he's like, nah, man, she's dead. Yeah. Ah. Now that I had sex, I'm thinking <laughs> she was dead. I want to go back and have some more sex. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was just interesting that they went that angle on it, I guess, but whatever. Um, maybe part of it, too, is that press doesn't really give too much stock into Dan's quote-unquote powers that he may have. That's true. And he seems to have been pretty right about a lot of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, Syl and Steven finish the deed, and I'm going to say that so I don't sound like a robot. Uh, back in Steven's room, Syl and Steven, they finish the deed, and uh, Syl can already feel the baby growing inside her. And that's when Steven figures it out that he just bangs Syl, right? Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Oops, a daisy. Steven gets killed. Bye, Steven. <laughs> Bye, Steven. <laughs> Xavier, Dan, Laura, and Press break into Steven's room, but as they're doing that, Syl just busts out that wall. Just busts out. <laughs> Which was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. (laughs) pretty cool. Um, We do see a dead Steven, which, sorry, Steve, that sucks for you, man. That sucks for you. At least he enjoyed his last seconds immensely. Truth. He did say that he enjoyed it immensely, so that's a positive. Way to silver lining to everything, (laughs) right? Silver lining. Um, And after, too, after Syl busts through that wall, Press just, like, gets down onto one knee and just starts firing his gun. Yeah, yeah, all over the place. In what's presumably a packed hotel. Yeah. (laughs) Just down the hallway. Bang, 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 bang. Couple casualties. (laughs) daisies. Uh, Dan knows that Syl's headed for the basement and the group splits up. Sure, I don't know why they need to split up. Just get to the basement as fast as possible. Lauren Press take the elevator. Dan and Fitch take the stairs. Uh, they have to stop Syl before she gives birth if Stephen really impregnated her. Right. Um, she could lay a thousand eggs for all we know. Ooh. Ooh, gross. In the parking garage, Syl busted through that steel door, which that's impressive. Way to go, lady. Um, and uh, Press shoots out the back window of the van to get some flamethrowers and just, I don't know, some keys? Seems a little risky. Yeah, it seems a little risky. And the fact that like Xavier's coming right there, I guess you're in a really big hurry, but I'm sure as soon as Xavier sees that Press is like shooting out the back of the the van window, he's like, dude, that's a rental. Like, what are you <laughs> yeah, doing? Dude, <laughs> I have the key I right have... here, you jackass. Come on, dude. Ah, man, I'm not going to get my security deposit back. I did not buy the insurance for this thing. I'm never going to recover from this financially. (laughs) I'm never going to recover from this financially. Oh, man, that that is. Have you ever thought about going back and trying to watch Tiger King again? No. Neither have I. People do it. I just That's weird. I, I mean, I was pretty enamored by it that first time, but I have zero desire to rewatch it. I think it's the perfect, the like the perfect culmination of everybody being in quarantine at the exact oh, right time, one hundred, the exact amount of time that everybody and so the nation just latched onto it. Definitely, I'm sure I would have watched it either way. It but made for some funny memes. It did make for some very funny memes. Some very very funny memes. Um, so the hunt is really on now and it's in the bowels below the hotel. Uh, she kills if she feels threatened. She kills if she feels threatened. Fitch just keeps repeating that as he's yeah. going down. Like, what's she? I mean, obviously she's feeling threatened right now. Yeah. And she's a little threatened. She's a little threatened. <laughs> You're probably going to have to defend yourself against an alien. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the group finds an open sewer cover, and it's obvious that that's where Syl went. So they flamethrower down the hole a little bit just yeah. to make sure everything's A-OK. Right. And, uh, uh, we finally are going to get to that final, final confrontation between uh, Team Science and Syl. Uh, where do you think she went, Dan? 
Uh, Dan can't find her. Uh oh. Uh oh. I think she went that way. You don't fucking know, Dan. <laughs> We're going this way. Like, <laughs> but I think she went that way. Come with me, Dan. Come with me. Like, he's just such, he's, so weird. Especially in the end. Like, once we get to this point, I could not help but think he is so weird. So right weird. Now. Dan, come with me. Come with me. Dan. Like, it's yeah. just the weirdest thing ever. Your little bubble bubble down in the water. Yeah. Uh, she's in the water. Yeah. Uh, and Fitch is dead. And Fitch is dead. Frankly, thank God. Thank, like, thank God. Thank God. He should have died a long time ago. Uh, Dan, Laura, and Press are playing a little cat and mouse with Syl now. She's kind of, you know, all over the walls and the ceiling and stuff like that. Dan's having an easier time tracking Syl now. Coincidence? Uh. <laughs> uh, he purposely got Fitch killed, maybe, right? Maybe. Maybe. Purposely got him killed. Dan didn't want to... Uh, Fitch didn't want Dan to come with him, but Dan, oh, Fitch wanted Dan to come with him, but Dan stayed put, right? Yep. Uh, Fitch just had berated Dan in front of Laura and Press for like the third or fourth time in this movie. Yep. So Dan might have had him kill them purpose. Uh, he did say after Dan, or after Fitch, they see Fitch in the water, like, I've never wanted to kill somebody so bad. Referring to Syl, right? Right. But maybe. But maybe. I never thought of that. Maybe. His powers haven't failed him the whole movie. That's true. That's very true. I think he may have gotten Fitch killed. I on think purpose. he may have. May have gotten he Fitch killed. On purpose. Maybe. Yeah, no, he did. Like. He sucked. He sucked. <laughs> he sucked most of the movie. He seemed like such a douche most of the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, the trio discover a hole that must have opened up during the earthquake, which they only mention very briefly in the very beginning of the movie that there was an earthquake around the time that all this kind of happened. Yeah. Um, I kind of tried to look to see which earthquake it was, and the only like big one I could think of was the one that was in like 92 that really destroyed a lot of stuff, but it doesn't seem right for the timeline. But it could be if this movie was made in like 93, 94, the, right. uh, and that's maybe why they didn't dwell on it, because the movie came out three years yeah. after the earthquake. Right. I don't know. And they even mentioned, the, still even mentions the earthquake in the elevator. I would hate to be in here when there's an earthquake or something. So right. Seems like they kind of push that onto the film a little bit because <laughs> yeah. it didn't really make that much sense. Exactly. But, uh, they go in there and Syl is giving birth. That's some pretty nasty stuff. Um, I didn't put the, all of it together that she was birthing this child out of her, her chest, chest until the last watch through. I'm like, oh, she got banged in the chest and she's birthing that kid out of her chest. Ooh, that is hideous. It is some really great practical effects, though. It looks really good. Yeah, I, I love practical effects. Uh, the trio makes it to the innermost room of the cave and, uh, press goes to try to flush Syl out. She's like, see you later guys. I'm gonna go do this thing over yep, here. Let's you guys, go split up. You got it. If she comes over this way, kill her. You know, you got it, right? You got, <laughs> yeah, it, you yeah. got it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> uh, Dan does a little bit more exploring on his own and finds the Syl that baby had or the baby that Syl had. Yeah. <laughs> Not the baby that Syl had. The Syl that baby had. Nope. <laughs> uh, Dan does a little bit more exploring and finds the baby that Syl had. Makes sense. Uh, to quote my wife when we were watching this, she goes, fucking alien child. <laughs> like, yup, alien child. Fucking alien child. <laughs> yup. Thanks, Kristen. That was a very good comedic moment. And I looked at her and said, you know, that's going in the podcast, right? <laughs> uh, did the kid have to be nude? <sighs> Situationally, it makes sense. Situationally, it makes sense. But he didn't need to be nude. He didn't need to be nude. He does eat that rat, though. 
He does eat the shit out of that rat. <laughs> Looked like he loved it, too. He loved it. Uh, Dan does try to help that poor little kid, though. No one's going to hurt you. And you know what Dan gets for that? He gets a tongue strike to the chest. Tongue strike to the <laughs> chest. Didn't see that one coming, Mr. Empath. <laughs> yeah, should he have seen that coming? He should have definitely seen that coming. <laughs> come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. <laughs> I mean, he's too fresh. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. that I'm going to go with that. Uh, the kid is not interested in being friends with Dan. Zero interest <laughs> in a friendship with Daniel. <laughs> uh, Laura sees that uh, Dan's been kind of knocked off of ledge number. So he's climbed up onto ledge number one, climbed up onto ledge number two now. And so he's gotten knocked down from ledge number two down to ledge number one. Yep. And Laura sees this and calls out the press. Press! Something's happened to Dan. <laughs> Something's happened to Dan. <laughs> he fell, you dumbass. And then Laura promptly falls into the oil lake. Yeah. It looks like she kind of just walks in there, yeah. too, in the movie. Whoops. a daisy. Oh, I'm in here now. Shit, I'm in the oil lake. <laughs> uh, and then out comes the transformed little boy from the darkness to finish what he started with Dan. The look of this kid transformed it looks like there's something wrong with him right oh yeah you do see that brief scene where you can tell he's maybe growing really quickly because really he's quickly. got like one leg that's really long one arm that's really long he's getting and like size. spines or like uh yeah like dinosaur scales or yeah some shit. and then you can see like his rib cage pulsing and then yeah. it goes to the scene where he's coming out of the darkness like fully transformed yeah but it looks like he's not put together right like right. there's something wrong with him or a weird merging of the dna because now he wouldn't be like half and half human and alien he'd be more human than alien right the way genetics go but yeah yeah maybe because it's a weird alien dna strain that it that those rules don't apply but to normal genetics but i don't Steven's know he has got some weird genes <laughs> steven's got some weird genes man <laughs> <laughs> he did look weird you could see his guts and stuff which sill is supposed to be like a clear skinned over a weird bony exoskeleton that's what she's supposed to look like okay so it does make sense that you can see through him and see his guts but he just didn't look quite right like either he no. had transformed all the way or there's something going wrong with him who knows he needed a little more time he needed a little bit more time maybe uh sill's offspring does launch himself directly at dan and dan fries that bastard fries that bastard <laughs> the boy goes over the edge and into that tarry oily liquid burning to death which is a cool like i love the the struggling for the yeah. you know the hand struggling while it's burning to death no scream i feel like there should have been should have been a scream, scream. Um, ignites the goop in the water, the oil in the water, and uh, Dan is now dangling over the second ledge directly over the oil pool at this point. Right. So now he's hanging on for his life. And Dan should apply for American Ninja Warrior because that dude's got some grip strength. One hundo. <laughs> he holds on to that shit forever. Like, we're talking scientists and Batman and Robin style or whatever. For like, real. They, like, he was holding so long. And she's like... Just keep holding on, man. Just keep, <laughs> I'm thinking, like, at no point does he say, hurry the fuck up. Like, <laughs> there should have been a line. arms are killing there me. There should have been a line but like no, that. Just no problem. Oh, boy. At this point, Syl is really pissed the fuck off, though. She's all hopping around on the walls and shit, and, like, hanging from the ceiling, like, scaring everybody and yeah. stuff. Laura's still calling for press. Yeah. <laughs> Where the hell are you, press? Where the fuck did this dude go? <laughs> like, this place can't be that big. Yeah. <laughs> 
did he just like nope out and it's just like hanging out back smoking a smoking cigarette a cig- cigarette oh, break god damn it i'm not oh god damn Can't it believe she's still alive <laughs> fucking aliens just fucking kill her already <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we finally see Press making his way back out, but watch out! Nipple tentacles! Nipple tentacles! <laughs> that was scary and alarming. It was. It was. And not only are they nipple tentacles, but she lifts him off the ground with them. Yes. <laughs> he does manage to cut himself free in a in a shower of alien goo. It's <laughs> pretty gross. Uh, Syl does move in for the kill, though, again, and he just starts shooting her. Like, yep. there should have been a lot more just shooting her, I think, in this whole Definitely. movie. Just start shooting her. Because it didn't seem to, like... She didn't stop any bullets. Nope. It was right into her gut. That seemed to work pretty well. Pretty well. Just start shooting her, man. <laughs> Should have done that way sooner. Should have done that way, way, way sooner. Uh, she falls back into that pool of ooze and kind of gets T2'd like uh, we talked about earlier. Yep. Uh, Laura and Press save Dan from falling into the pool, uh, but not before Syl has to make a final appearance. Yep. Um, of course she makes a final appearance. I didn't see him coming the first time around. I'm like, oh, she's done for. You know, that's it. She's yep. dead. But no, she, of course. Of course she of does. Of course she does. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, one final attempt to survive slash kill somebody because she feels threatened. <laughs> um, once again, Press and Laura also have incredible grip strength. Yes. <laughs> also have incredible. They hold on to him while Press loads a grenade launcher with one hand. I appreciate the use of a great grenade launcher in the movie. Uh, love it yeah love it but the one-handedness just gets to be a bit much for me. a bit much uh press screams duck and then he blows her fucking head off yeah. <laughs> let him go you motherfucker <laughs> boom great uh, head explosion I, lo- I love that that was great loved it it was a great effect and i feel like that was a practical explosion it looked too good to be yeah. 90s CG. And I appreciate that it was Press as the one who finished her off. Yes, yes. And anytime you can use a grenade launcher in a movie, I'm all for it. Yeah. One-handed? Let's do it. Let's do it. He should. It should have been maybe a one of those uh, lever-action rifles, and he should have spun it around, you know? And like, something so sick. How you can spin those lever-action rifles around and cock them at the same time. He should have done something like that. Yeah. Either that or the grenade launcher, because that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. They gotta love that. I need more of that in movies. The spinning of the lever-action rifle around the cockpit. I need more of that in my life. Um, Laura has one of the best lines of the movie after they hoist, hoist Dan up. She was half us and half something else. I wonder which half was the predator. Mm, interesting. <laughs> to which Press replies, the dead half. The dead half. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here. That bitch is dead. <laughs> the dead half. Like, for real. Some real comedic gems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one last lingering stare from Press as they exit the uh, the cave system there, and uh, we get a rat uh, tongue. A rat tongue kill another rat. Yeah. Like... Did uh, so that's like the nipple tentacle has formed with one of these rats. So we or see something? we see right before it that they're like dragging it away. Right. So that he, makes me he think. like eats it and then and mutates then him. Mutates him. That's okay. what I would think. That's, that's yeah. What I would think. I figured it's something like that or like Majin Buu, you know, like yeah, yeah, absorbing the rat or yeah. something. But yeah, I was wondering how the with the way Sill died and her offspring died. I'm like, how can they have made a sequel to this movie? Right. And that's how a rat bites somebody. And so we haven't seen it, but did you look anything up? Is it like 
this rat is the enemy in the number two in species two? I feel or? like she's back in the like Natasha Henstridge is in the second one. I did not look oh, into okay. it. Okay. I feel like she's back in it. Sure. So maybe the one tentacle is enough to like reform her body, right, sort of like right. a Majin Buu or a cell type of thing. You know? Yeah. Um, but with that tongue kill, with that rat tongue kill, we get to roll some credits. Roll some credits. <laughs> So lastly, before we get to our final opinions, I want to go with a theory here. Not only did Dan purposely kill Fitch, I think Fitch knew Syl wasn't dead from the explosion, and he wanted to see what was going to happen. He wanted to see what she was going to do, and he was willing to sacrifice the rest of the team members just to do that. Yeah. Because if you go all the way back to the beginning when they all meet up for the first time, Dan says to Xavier that it it made you mad, right, that you had to kill her, right? And it made him mad, not sad. It made him mad in the fact that he's losing all this research. Right. He doesn't actually get to figure out what's going on with this alien DNA. And so later he finds out, he's like, oh, no, she's not dead. I'm going to take this opportunity to see what she can do. Yeah. And we're going to do whatever we can and... If these people die, I don't care. No, that makes a lot of sense. It kind of makes sense for the how weird he was being at the end of the movie. Right, right. How weird he was being in the club, just kind of staring around. How he seemed to knowingly have these have these ideas that Syl is around still in the hotel. But genuinely never very concerned about it. Right. With the rest. Like, that makes a lot of sense. So maybe he was even willing to die. Yeah. But is, Just to, like, live... With the knowledge, or like figure out the knowledge of more about her. I guess that doesn't make sense that him being willing to die. But I, if you do read it as him knowingly putting these people in harm's way to see what Syl is going to do. Because I mean, that makes sense for why he would want to go back to the hotel right away, right? right? Because right. he knows that she's going to be there. So, I mean, if you put it as that and then Dan kind of like double crosses him, it's kind of like a just desserts for Xavier. But yeah. I feel like in the second half after the fake death, he knows. And yeah. he's trying to figure it out. That makes a lot of sense. I think so, at least. Uh, final opinions, Trav. I think it's an awesome movie. Hell yeah. I, I really enjoyed that you hadn't seen it either, so this is the first one that you hadn't seen. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, what's not to like great music? There's a lot of great music. I love Michael Manson. Yep. Uh, titties. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong with titties. Uh yeah, it's really fucked up. I mean, the first time I watched it, I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch in a lot of ways? But I really, really enjoyed it in the same breath. But uh, there was that one point in the movie when they're in the sewers that I'm like, no way do I remember this movie because of this one scene. Because I thought I had maybe seen it because of something in the sewers. But I was completely wrong. Completely I did not wrong. remember. But uh, what did you think about it, Drew? <coughs> A lot like you, I really like this movie a lot, and I feel like I'm I feel like I missed out in the '90s on not seeing this one when mm-hmm. I probably should have seen it in my you know early teen years. I, this would have been right up my alley. I really liked this movie a lot. It was uh, reminiscent of a lot of those things that you would see in a lot of '90s action movies, and it just made me think of that time. I really enjoyed it, and it's going to be one that I'm going to just plug into the DVD player every once in a while oh, for and sure. watch it because. Well worth your time. A great movie. We got choppers. Yeah. We got car. We got car scenes. We got titties. We got bug cocoons. We got bug cocoons. <laughs> we got I, an empath. I really like it, and uh, 
Jacob, you have a feel for this podcast like no one else because Seriously, you're just man. picking the perfect stuff, he dude. He keeps lobbing them up and we keep knocking them out of that part. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, I really, really love this. This one's in the rotation. I don't think I've said that in a few episodes. So this one's in the rotation. Love it. Absolutely love it. I'll have to see the second one. The second one takes place in the 90s, right? 98, something like that? I think so. So we could potentially revisit the second one. We'll see. We could potentially do that. I mean, if you request it, we'll probably do it. Yeah, if you request it, it'll happen. All right. Um, do you think we're ready to move on to that uh, homework assignment? Let's do it. Well, with um, with some happiness but a lot of sadness, we are going to do our last ever Ed, Ed, and Eddie episode. It's going to be season one, and we're going to be doing the remaining episodes from that season, numbers 11, 12, and 13. Once again, season one ran from January 4th, 1999 to June 11th, 1999, and had 13 episodes. It was created by Danny Antonucci for Cartoon Network, and it was produced by AKA Cartoon, which is Canada-based. The voices of the Eds include Ed as Matt Hill, or Matt Hill as Ed, Double D as Samuel Vincent, and Eddie is Tony Sampson. Uh, go check out the companion episodes to this one that we're going to be doing, which would be our episode number 11, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, season one, episodes one through six, and then episode 22, which covered, uh, and then episode 22, which covered numbers seven through 10. So quickly here, episode 11A is who, what, where, Ed. 11B is going to be keeping up with the Eds. 12A is going to be Eds aggregate. 12B is going to be oath to an Ed. 13A is going to be button your Ed. 13B is going to be a vast ye Eds. <laughs> As always, find it in your DVD collection or on HBO Max. What do you have to say about Ed and Ed, Ed and Eddie's ending? <laughs> I am sad. Yeah, me too, man. I am very sad. It's a great show. It's one of my favorite shows, so it's kind of a bummer, but I mean, I'm also excited to get it out there, that's for sure. A lot of the episodes for me have been homework with this Ed, Ed, and Eddie, so it's been great. I've seen, you know, a number of episodes, but there's no way that I've seen every one of these episodes, and um, I'm sure I'll run across a few in these three, that are maybe one or two in these three that I've seen before, but I'm excited to do the homework, and I'm disappointed that uh, that's all the Ed, Ed, and Eddie that we're going to be able to do on this show. Yeah, we'll have to figure out what our next Cartoon Network show is going to be, yeah. because we've done a lot of Nickelodeon stuff, yeah. which I enjoy. Yeah, me too. We'll have to figure out where we're going next, the Cartoon Network. Maybe a Dexter's Laboratory or Dexter's something Lab. like that. we got a lot of good options, Yeah, that's definitely. For sure. Definitely. Um, with that done, why don't we get on up to that outro, Trav? What do you got for us? uh, Some emails here. Yes, please. Our first email comes from someone who's emailed us before. We've got one from ManBearPig074. says, I think Mars Attacks is a perfect example of how we sometimes remember things being better than they were. I agree with that. I watched that movie a ton of times as a kid and de- and decided not to watch it until after your assessment. I'm glad I did because I didn't want to tarnish my memory of a childhood favorite. It probably is pretty awful, though. 
He said, Down Periscope was another favorite as a kid, but I recently watched it, and it was pretty bad. I don't think I laughed once, and my son got up and left. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. Sometimes things just don't hold up anymore. Maybe it's because comedy, drama, horror, etc. has gotten so much better than the older media is blown away by it. Anywho's, you have brought, up, brought it up the past couple of times, but haven't done it yet, so I am formally requesting a review of Hot Shots. I loved it as a Top Gun and spoof fan. I just hope that it holds up to today's standards. Also, I want to hear a review of Grumpy Old Men. You betcha. Sincerely, ManBearPig074. And he says, P.S. Mrs. ManBearPig appreciated your shout-out and setting the record straight to the listeners. Thanks for all you do. Cheers. And he is talking about Home Alone 2, I believe it was. Yep. Threw out a little false information, and she corrected us. Home Alone 1. Home Alone 1. Yes, Home Alone 1. And we corrected that in the... Which episode? The Ren and Stimpy episode? Ren and Stimpy. If it wasn't that one, it was the one right before that. We've only done, this is our 27th episode, and I'm already having a hard time keeping them straight. You know know. what I mean? It's like, oh, what was that one? We've been at it now for over a year. We have now been recording for over a year. We haven't reached the year since first drop. No, but we've been recording for over a year. That's uh, I can't believe I missed that that anniversary because that's pretty cool stuff, man. I can't believe it's already been a year. Uh, Yes, thank you, Man Bear Pig. And uh, Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Part Deux. Hot Shots is going to be coming up quickly. For Um, sure. Hot Shots Part Deux is going to be on the list. Definitely. Uh, Grumpy Old Men is on the list. We're going to back burner it. It's, but in it's, the, it's in the stratosphere. It's in the stratosphere. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. All right. So now we're getting to our next email here. It comes from Frank Castle. Wants to know, what are our top downloaded episodes, and does that correlate with what you'd expect or your favorite episodes? So our top downloaded episodes, Cable Guy is number one. That's our number one most downloaded episode. Which is episode. a suggestion from Mamber. Which is a so suggestion. Cool. Yep. So that's our number one. Our number two episode is, oh my goodness. Nightmare Before Nightmare Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas is our number two. And I believe Top Gun is number three. Oh, okay. I believe okay. it is. It's up there at least. And yes, um, our favorite episodes tend to do better. Correct. Um, I don't know if because we are feeling more passionate about that subject material in comparison to others or what, but it does seem to correlate a little bit to our favorites being the ones that get the most downloads. Definitely. Um, I put on here Top Gun, so I mean, if that's number three, I, I think of that still as probably our most fun we yeah. had doing one. It's a movie that blew me away that I hadn't seen, and that was a lot of fun, and it was a fun listen. I had probably the most fun doing the Batman Roundup, which I feel like a lot of listeners had Batman fatigue for sure by that point. But if you didn't do that and you feel like going back and you want to hear some awesome impressions and best and worst lines, that was a really fun episode. Um, And then The Shining. I had a lot of fun. I think we had a lot of really good discussion in The Shining, something I'd seen a bunch, but it was really fun to watch that on repeat and analyze it with you for sure. Yeah, um, my my favorite episode, I think I will go with you and say that it is Top Gun. That, mm-hmm. Like you said, that episode was just a really, really lot of fun to do. It was a lot of fun to produce. It was a lot of fun to get out there and have everybody listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked our most recent Ren and Stimpy episode. That to was choose a lot of fun. One. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. And on a personal level, I think the Shining episode was a, like a, a real fun one for me to do. Yeah. 
there's so much lore and yeah. stuff with The Shining. Yeah, and that's one other thing for my angle from this podcast is when there is lots of good information out there on a movie, it makes it more fun for me because I enjoy learning about that stuff. And um, it's cool to find that information. And even like a movie like The Shining that I've seen a whole bunch of times, finding information that, oh, I had no idea that was right. a thing. You know, it, that, that's one of the things that... Uh, uh, keep me going on this podcast and what makes them my favorite. So. Agreed. Uh, next email comes from Leo is Nito. Says, I'm a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan and he has yet to make an appearance on the podcast. Do you guys love Leo? And if so, do you have a favorite film of his? I do love Leo. Um, I think my favorite film, my favorite Leo film. Man, I don't know. I mean, it's not in the 90s or uh, 80s. That's okay. Yeah, I think my favorite Leo film is Inception. Love it. Yeah, I think that's my favorite Leo film. What's Eating Gilbert Grape, to pick one from the time period, is a very good movie. It's Mm -hmm. super sad, but it's a very good slice of life movie. And he gets you some very good Johnny Depp also in that movie. Um, But if you, I mean, Catch Me If You Can, that was a 90s movie. Yeah, Catch Me If You Can, that's a really good Leo. Shutter Island, that's another really good Leo that I like. That has been Kingsley. Yes, it does have Ben Kingsley in it. Great, he's that movie. very good in that <laughs> yeah. movie. I forgot that he was in that movie. Uh, the Departed, which was a good movie, obviously. Uh, obviously. But I mean, I enjoy me some Leo. I mean, I, I'm going to leave Titanic off the list just because it's one of those Mount Rushmore movies that's just it's Titanic. Never I mean, seen it. You've really never seen I've Titanic. Re- I've really never seen it. Wow. I've seen it referenced 500 million times in movies. Wow. And just watched the Office episode where Michael goes to the front of the book. <laughs> but yeah, I've never seen that. That's interesting, man. Uh, it's like four hours of a lot of movie. You know, I don't. Yeah. That'd be an interesting one to that do. That would be whew, a two-parter. I think that, that would, would definitely be the first two-parter that for would us. Be a two-parter. There's no way we could do that in one. Um, I also love, absolutely love Leonardo DiCaprio. I wrote down Catch Me If You Can as my favorite, um, and I think that does fall in the 90s. I think so. I think so. that's one we hopefully could do eventually. Um, Inception, obviously. Yeah. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine. But that one's just super star-studded, yeah. and unlike Mars Attacks, is actually awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. And then I put Shutter Island. That's yeah. another one of my favorites. That's one that's like super good the first time you watch it, and then a really good different experience the second time you watch it yeah, once definitely. you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my main movies I love Ben Kingsley from. So seeing him in that most recently to go into his performance in Species, whew, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> definitely different, definitely different. Uh, and then my last one here is just the question for Drew. All right. There's been a lot of hype surrounding Brendan Fraser lately, and rightfully so. And as a king of the 90s, what are some of your favorite Brendan Fraser movies? Well, Encino Man is definitely right on up there. Uh, for that, sure. That was a movie that was a, a pretty heavy watch for me as a kid, Encino oh, yeah. Man. I, I want to say there's a pretty good chance that I saw that one in the theater, actually. I feel nice. like I saw that one on the big screen. Not a hundred percent sure, but I know it's one that it was a it was a perennial sleepover favorite. Oh, you know? <laughs> for sure, watched it a bunch of times. Yep. Uh, then the mummy movies. I mean, you got to love those. Of those course. were like big budget franchise movies before big budget franchise movies were really a thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, did you ever see the Tom Cruise remake? No, I did mummy, not. Neither did I. I. I would say don't waste your time. I would say don't waste your time <laughs> as much as we love Tom Cruise. Yeah, but I mean, if Brendan Fraser could bring back the mummy with that same type of energy. Oh, dude. I would love that. That would be I would freaking love that. awesome. Yeah, yeah. How about you, man? Um, So I put Encino Man, yeah. obviously. 
uh, Airheads, which oh, we mentioned, yes. mentioned before, That's one of my favorite underrated comedies in general. It's so good. Steve Buscemi, Adam Sandler, and Brendan Fraser. The Mummy, obviously. I mean, I love, I think it's John Hanna. He's uh, the nerdy guy in the Mummy movies, and he is the main, one of the main characters in Spartacus, which is my favorite show. Um, and then Bedazzled, one yeah, of my favorite comedies of all time. Uh, Grumpy Old Man shared something with that recently, and uh, I just love so many scenes in that movie. But yeah, Brendan Fraser rocks, so hopefully Definitely. someone throws out an idea and we can do a Brendan Fraser movie. Definitely. Um, but that wraps up emails, so please be sure to email us any questions or ideas to overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. And check out our pages on Instagram and Facebook at Overdue Homework Podcast. Thanks for listening, and as always, make sure you tune into the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.